Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother Welcome to the Royal Ramble Wrestling Podcast on this Wednesday, May the 3rd, 2017, here on itsyourradio.com. I am your host, Brian Sennett. Joining me, as always, is the co-host, Ryan Mortarano. Ryan, how you doing, my friend? Hey, Brian. I'm doing pretty good, man. How about you? Doing pretty good myself, yes. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy first episode of the month of May for the Royal Ramble. And what a first episode it's going to be for you guys, as we have a lot to get into over the past couple of days a lot has gone on in the world of professional wrestling from the wwe to outside of the wwe new japan pro wrestling ring of honor all is going down as we inch closer and closer to the summer and we all know when it's summertime a lot goes down in the wrestling world so for you guys on today what we're going to do for you guys on the show of course we're going to give you guys our recap of payback this past sunday wwe had their first pay-per-view of the new year with payback Get our thoughts on that pay-per-view. Uh, also, our weekly recap of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown Live as Raw now moves ahead from Payback to focus on, I think, Extreme Rules is their next pay-per-view. As for SmackDown, they're gearing up for Backlash, which will take, which will take place in two weeks from now. So give our thoughts on that. Also tonight, guys, NXT takes place as they are gearing up for NXT TakeOver Chicago. But also going on in the wrestling world is... New Japan Pro Wrestling is in the news quite a lot now, as, of course, the past couple of days they've had their shows in Dantaku. Uh, some big matches going on at a couple of shows, including this morning where Okada defended the IWGP Heavyweight Championship against Badlock Fale. Did he win? Did he lose? We'll get our reaction and the results from that show. Uh, also, during the show this morning, they announced the participants for the Best of the Super Juniors Tournament, which will happen uh, very soon, in the middle of May, we're going to see this tournament get started, and the names in, the, in this tournament are very, very interesting, so we'll get our thoughts on that. And also, as we get closer to Dominion as well, uh, we could be seeing the rematch of Okada versus Omega, so we'll give our thoughts on that. And also, some news going on in terms of Ring of Honor, uh, in terms of a certain superstar, as Adam Cole is officially a free agent this past Monday. His contract expired with Ring of Honor, and now he's a free agent, and now we'll have the ultimate decision on where he's going to sign next. Will he go to WWE like everyone thinks he will, or will he surprise us all and sign someplace else? We're going to give our thoughts on that, and what do we think Adam Cole is thinking at the moment? So, a lot to get into within these next two hours. Before we get into all the news and speculation, people, we're going to give you guys, of course, our social Media accounts for you guys to follow us on Twitter at Royal Ramble IYR. If you want to follow myself and Ryan personally, I'm at B underscore Sendek 95. Ryan is at Ryan underscore Martirano. You can also like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. And also follow us on the Instagram. We are very active on the Instagram page at Royal Ramble Wrestling. And if you guys happen to miss us live here on itsyourradio.com, 
we have our podcast version on iTunes and Stitcher. So subscribe to our show. And yeah, that's all I can say about that. But uh, let's get into it, Ryan. We'll start things off with our payback recap. So again, this past Sunday, it was the first pay-per-view of the new year for the WWE. This is what I'll say about it. Um, If you are a fan of in-ring wrestling, if you want to watch the shows, specifically WWE, to watch the in-ring wrestling, then you like the show. Because most of the matches, if not all of them, had very good matches. The match qualities in all of them were very, very solid. Can't sit here and bash any specific match in terms of the in-ring style. But if you're a fan like myself and like Ryan who closely follows and cares about the booking decisions in these matches, then the pay-per-view was average at best. For certain reasons in terms of the booking. Now, this past Sunday, we crowned two new champions, both of them which I don't agree with. We'll start it off, of course, with the United States Championship match, which kicked off the show, Chris Jericho versus Kevin Owens. Now, we all know that Chris Jericho is on his way out of the WWE not leaving the company to go someplace else. No, he's just taking the time off as, he's gets, as he gets set to do his Fozzie tour, his rock band. And we all know it's coming very soon that Jericho is going to be leaving the company to do that. So we all thought that it was a given and it was a guarantee that Kevin Owens was going to walk out of payback still the United States champion. Well, we didn't get that. As Chris Jericho, thanks to the walls of Jericho made Kevin Owens tap out, and he became the new United States champion. Now, the first thought I had was that, hmm, is Chris Jericho actually not going to do Fozzie? Is he going to stay with the company, or what the heck is going on? Well, he's still going to do Fozzie, as, of course, this past Tuesday, or you could say last night, Chris Jericho dropped the United States title back to Kevin Owens. So, I mean, it really made no sense to have Chris Jericho dethrone Kevin Owens when he is leaving the company and he was going to drop the belt back to Owens anyway two days later. Now, the only reason I hear people make up in why they gave the belt to Jericho was that, oh, this is their way to put Chris Jericho on SmackDown so that when he comes back from the Fozzie tour that he's officially part of the SmackDown roster. I don't like that reason. I mean, you're the WWE. You can bring Chris Jericho to the SmackDown brand Anytime, anywhere you want. You can do what the hell you want. And if you wanted Chris Jericho so bad on the blue brand, then why wasn't he part of the roster shakeup? Alright? If the whole goal was to put Chris Jericho on SmackDown, then why didn't you put him on SmackDown during the roster shakeup? Because right then and there, if you did that, you could have had a much better build-up to the match with Kevin Owens. And number two we wouldn't have to see another title change. Because that's the part that pisses me off, is that you know Kevin Owens wins the belt at WrestleMania, and he can't even hold on to it three weeks later, but two days later, he gets the belt back. It makes no sense, and I just don't get why WWE loves playing the hot potato game with the championships. I mean, I thought about that. I can't remember the last time that we've seen a pretty good title run. With any championship, right now the longest title reign in the WWE right now is Neville with the Cruiserweight Championship as he as he gets closer to the 100-day mark. Every other title reign hasn't even lasted two months when you think about it. All the titles from Raw and SmackDown. The title reigns just end so quickly, it's absurd. 
I don't think WWE leaves in title reigns anymore. Now, that might not be true because, of course, recently the New Day had their long title reign of over 400 days. But the only reason why they got that is because of the whole demolition scandal that they were suing the company. So this is Vince's way of getting back at demolition saying, ha, huh, you're suing my company over the concussion issue. Guess what? Your title record reign is going to be broken by the New Day. Not saying the New Day doesn't deserve it, but that's the reason why they got that record. So when you think about it, Ryan, I'm not sure if we're ever going to see another great title reign in a long time. I just don't see it. And part-timers just don't count because, yes, Brock Lesnar could have a long title reign. But guess what? Brock Lesnar is not on Raw every single week with that championship. He takes times off. So we're speaking of full-timers. Not part-timers, full-timers. And heck, who even knows if Brock Lesnar's title reign is going to be long anyways? With the amount of talent that are gunning for that championship, who knows if Brock will still be champion by the summer? So again, again, no disrespect to Chris Jericho. I'm a big fan of his. It's sad to see this guy go because he has been one of the best acts on WWE television every single week. This was, without a doubt, one of his best runs in his career. Some people think it's the best one he's had. I won't go that far because he's had some great runs in the past in his early days in WWE to the, to the middle portion of his WWE career. But this is definitely right up there as one of the best runs that Chris Jericho has ever had. And this is somebody that WWE is going to have a hard time to replace. Because, again, not only did Jericho have good matches, the guy was entertaining. And that's what WWE is all about. They are an entertainment company. Their goal is to entertain the fans, and they just lost, without question, possibly, their best entertainer possible in Chris Jericho. But again, I did not like the decision to put the belt on Jericho because we all know Jericho was leaving. So for him to win the belt and then drop it two days later to Kevin Owens, who should have never lost a title in the first place, to me, made no sense. I mean, it's hard to argue that, uh, you know, again, I'm never going to be upset when they throw a curveball in our direction unless, you know, it's something like Ginger Mahal becoming the number one contender. But, you know, typically when I watch a show and uh, it doesn't go the way I think it will, like, you know, when I predict things that aren't, you know, uh, necessarily true and then the opposite happens, sometimes it's good in a way because I don't want to sit there and watch a show where I know every little thing that's going to happen. So when they threw the curveball in there, I was interested to see what was going to happen next. Because you obviously, you know, you, we all knew that Chris Jericho was leaving. It was a given. It was his, like, you know, one of his final dates on his current run. Uh, so I think last night was his last night. Uh, is that the reason why they gave him the belt? Is because if they didn't give him the belt, then why? what would he do? Like, how would he show up on SmackDown? Like, again, like you said, Brian, it was a way to get him on SmackDown because they had the stipulation there. So when he comes back, he will be on the SmackDown brand, and who knows what he'll do after that. I hope this feud with Kevin Owens is finally over. I hope he doesn't come back and go right after Kevin Owens again. I think I've seen enough of those two already. Uh, but, again, I think that was the purpose, was to just get him on SmackDown because there's no other reason that they would give him the belt and then have him drop it two days later. Because again, like you said, that makes no sense, and we, you know, you don't typically see that. Uh, you know, the, the title reigns lately have been like hot potatoes. Uh, very shocking wins here and there. Uh, Neville, like you said, is one of the longest reigning champs right now. But I think Dean Ambrose actually has him beat with the Intercontinental Championship, if I'm not mistaken. That's a long run, too. Uh, but then again, you know, there's a difference between a long run where the guy consistently defends the belt and keeps winning 
Or there's like a long run like Dean Ambrose is having where he barely ever defends the belt. And he just holds on to it for weeks and weeks and months and basically chocks up the days that he's holding this belt, but he's not defending it. So again, how does that really count, you know? I mean, it's different from when you see in New Japan Pro Wrestling where Okada is constantly defending that belt. And then when he loses, when he beats that guy, automatically he calls out somebody else or somebody else is coming out and immediately, bam, there's a the next title shot. That's not like that in WWE, because, again, we've seen that with, with Dean Ambrose. He's just been holding on to this belt. He finally has a number one contender right now, but he he hasn't for quite some time. He had Baron Corbin, but, again, that was once at WrestleMania. And, again, he won the belt in January, for God's sake. So, again, to me, uh, you know, like you said, Brian, the, the hot potato game with the titles, some of it has to end, but... You need a long title run where the guy is consistently defending the belt or else it's just meaningless. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm never going to get mad with them throwing a curveball here and there. Chris Jericho got the surprising win. It was a solid match. Uh, you know, Owens won it back last night. So, again, really just nothing nothing important to me. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. And, like I said, I'm never really going to get too, too mad. But I, I hear what you're saying on, on, you know, the hot potato game. And then for the other title change, uh, Alexa Bliss, of course, becoming the new women's champion, beating Bailey in her hometown of San Jose, California. Something that WWE likes to do is to have the hometown talents lose in front of their hometown. They've done it on multiple occasions. So for those people who are pissed off that, oh, how could you have Bailey lose in San Jose? It's a common thing. We've seen it before with Sasha Banks. The Hell in a Cell match she had with Charlotte. That was her hometown of Boston. She lost. We've seen it happen multiple times with John Cena when he returned to Boston. And it's happened before with Edge in Toronto, Canada. So I wasn't overly that shocked. And I'm surprised with myself that I didn't pick Alexa Bliss to win this match. Because I was still convinced that Bailey was going to hang on to this belt. But no. Bliss is the new champion. I can't be all that mad because, you know, again, Alexa Bliss is just such a great talent. I mean, how could you not give her the championship? I mean, my problem with this title change is that it was too early. I mean, I, I know how great Alexa Bliss is, but she was on Raw for, what, three weeks and she has the belt right away. I didn't really like that. I would have saved it for a little bit later, have Bliss feel more comfortable on the Raw brand, even though, yes, she does look comfortable. Get her used to the Raw uh, I, I just think it was a little bit too early to take the belt off of Bailey and put it on Bliss. But I see why they did it. Alexa Bliss is just too damn good to keep her away as a champion. You know, she's got the charisma. Her in-ring stuff has gone a lot better. She's without question the best talent on the Raw Women's Division. And, and in my opinion, the second best female talent on the main roster behind Charlotte. And, you know, Bailey's title run as well has just not gone that well. I mean, not because her matches have not been that great. She's a good wrestler. The, the issue with, with Bailey has been her microphone skills. It, it, at times, when you watch her speak on Raw, it's just tough to watch. And I don't want to be sitting here uh, bashing Bailey at how bad she is talking-wise because I like Bailey. She's a very good talent, but that's what's hurting her stock as a champion is that she just can't get it done on the microphone, especially when you have her going up against Alexa Bliss, who's an absolute master on the microphone, and even Sasha Banks, who's also pretty good on the microphone as well. It's tough for the officials to believe in her when she's just underwhelming speaking-wise. But I still think that I would have kept Bailey as champion because I still believe to this day that the right person to dethrone her is Sasha Banks in terms of the storyline. You know, they have the story of Sasha and Bailey are best friends. Um, they've been best friends for a long time. Sasha has Bailey's back, and then some point Sasha's gonna turn bad, 
and then she's going to go after that women's championship, and then she's going to be the one to dethrone Bailey. Now that can still happen. I, I would not be surprised if Bailey and Bliss have their rematch and Bailey wins, because again, with these title changes, you just don't know when we're going to see a title change. You know, it's constant hot potato. I would not be shocked if they have Bailey go over Alexa Bliss and then they roll back with the Banks Bailey storyline, because I still I still believe. That WWE is going to have to roll with that, all right? That's just too good not to do, all right? Sasha and Bayley, they have the history, of course, in NXT. They're two classic matches, two of the best female matches you will ever see in the history of the business. And they just keep constantly playing the storyline of Sasha's got Bayley's back. Sasha's always getting involved in Bayley's stuff. And I thought they were going to go into some place where it's going to keep happening and happening. Bayley's not going to tell Sasha to really stay out of her business. I can do this by myself. And then we're going to see the Sasha Banks heel turn, and they're going to feud for the belt at SummerSlam. That can still happen, but it's tough because Alexa Bliss is just too good. She is, she's that, she's just that. She's too good, and I think part of the reason why they put the belt on her over Bailey is because she's just better than Bailey. She is a better champion than Bailey for multiple reasons. The biggest reason being. Is her microphone skills, and that sucks for Bailey because if she was a better mic talker, then Bailey, I could definitely see Bailey get a good title reign. But with her being so underwhelming on the microphone, who the heck knows how long Bailey will have her title reign? She'll be champion once again. There's no question about that. But the question does remain: When will she be champion again? Will it happen very soon? Because again, you just don't know with the WWE these days and the way they change titles. It just happens out of nowhere, just shockingly. But anyways, Alexa Bliss, a new women's champion, congratulations to her. First woman in the history of WWE to win both the Raw and SmackDown Women's Championship to hold both titles. Uh, great for her. She deserves it. She's an incredible talent. But I was very confused with the decision because I was fully convinced that they're going to roll with the Bailey sasha Banks storyline, which they still can. But it will be very tough to do that, especially with the way Alexa Bliss has been awesome as of late. It would be very tough for them to take that belt off Alexa Bliss and roll with the Sasha Banks Bailey storyline because then the question becomes, what is Alexa Bliss doing? She's that damn good. She's definitely the top female competitor on Raw. It's going to be interesting to see where they go with this, but I was very surprised with the decision to put the belt on Alexa Bliss this early. Yeah, me too. This was a huge shock, I think, to everybody. I mean, I don't think anybody had Alexa winning this. And, uh, yeah, again, this just goes to show how high they are on Alexa Bliss. I, I was reading a rumor a couple of months ago how they weren't high on her, and they, they were a little down on her wrestling skills, and she had a little bit of heat backstage. But apparently that was never true. And, again, it shows right here. I mean, literally, she comes to Raw. In her first match, she wins the number one contendership for the women's title. And on their first pay-per-view match, for the championship for you know on Monday Night Raw as a part of the Raw roster she wins the belt and like you said in Bailey's hometown I mean they love to do this they love to have the ho hometown person lose uh, which again to me makes no sense uh, you know I think they even made a custom Bailey shirt for you know her her hometown fans to, to buy at the merchandise booth or whatever and then you just have her lose to me it makes no sense but again I'm not going to complain because Alexa Bliss is my favorite on the roster I mean she is by far the best woman right now. I mean, she's definitely the best thing going right now. I mean, period. Not even Charlotte's that good right now uh, in the storyline on SmackDown. I mean, it just goes to show how damn good Alexa Bliss is. And, man, the brand split and bringing her up, 
that was the best thing that ever happened to her because she really opened a lot of people's eyes, myself included. Because, uh, again, she was just a manager in NXT. We didn't see her wrestling at all. We didn't know that she was this damn good. Uh, you know, two-time SmackDown Women's Champion, now making history as the first-ever woman to hold both uh, the Raw and the SmackDown Women's Championship. So that is pretty crazy. Again, like you said, Brian, in terms of storyline purposes, it made sense for Bayley to hold on to this belt and eventually feud with Sasha Banks. And maybe she loses that belt to Sasha. Uh, in, in obviously, the match that we've been waiting to see, we thought we were going to see it at this uh, year's SummerSlam again because it was so good when they battled it out at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn that we want to see that again. And I want to see a heel Sasha go after Bayley again. Basically, it'd be the same exact thing as what happened in NXT, but it's, instead it'll be on the main roster, and I think a lot more people will actually be watching because uh, who knows how many people watched NXT back in the day, you know? So nobody really, you know, a lot of people could have missed out on that. And it was a great feud. And hopefully we still get it. But, uh, yeah, like you said, Brian, I'm interested to see the direction that they go in now. I mean, sometimes this ends up working out. You know, they go a different direction than what we think they're going to go in. And uh, it ends up working out better. I mean, sometimes that's just what happens. So I'm not going to get mad because I love Alexa Bliss. That segment on Raw, too, when she opened up on Raw. We'll get into Raw in a little bit. But that was awesome as well. It just showcased Alexa Bliss's talent on the microphone as well. But, man, she is that damn good and deserves to hold on to this belt. So we'll see what happens with Bailey and Sasha and, you know, the entire women's division uh, moving forward from here. But, yeah, huge shock to see Alexa Bliss uh, capture that title at Payback. I mean, as for the rest of the show, we'll start off with, of course, the main event match between uh, Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns. Uh, per- personally, I'm, I'm happy that they went in the right direction with this and having Braun Strowman go over Roman Reigns. At one point in the match, when Roman Reigns hit that spear on Braun, I was like, don't tell me that Roman Reigns is going to win this match, especially when half of his body is bandaged up because of the attack that Braun gave him, the beatdown that Braun gave him on Monday Night Raw at the Nassau Coliseum. I mean, don't tell me Roman's going to win this match when he's, what, 50% basically. But no, Braun kicked out, and then two body slams later, uh, Braun won the match. After the match was over, Braun continued his attack on Roman, hitting with the steel steps. Um, and we all know what happened, of course, after that match was over on the WWE Network. WWE did a little bit of a screw-up as they had, um, you know, uh, Roman Reigns chomping on the blood capsules. Uh, bad job on WWE's part. But again, you know, there was no other way. For this match to end. Alright. You could not have Roman Reigns go ever. I don't care. Yes. He is the face of the company. He is. And I quote the guy. Even though I hate that term. It's a fact. Roman Reigns is the face of the company. In this moment. You could not have him go over Braun Strowman. Especially with Roman playing the injury angle. And number two, with Braun Strowman having so much momentum. Every single week, Braun Strowman is doing something big to somebody different. Whether it's the Big Show, whether it's Kalisto, or Roman Reigns, Braun is making impact. And I said it right after the show was over. I went to Twitter, and WWE saw my tweet because it was on Raw Talk. If you saw it, I was on Raw Talk. I said it's time for Braun to go after that championship, and he absolutely deserves the opportunity. And again, I said it on last week's show, I will go as far to say he should take that belt off of Brock Lesnar, all right? Number one, it would make huge headlines. Holy crap, Brock Lesnar loses the belt to Braun Strowman. Who saw that coming? But again, it's because of the fact that I hate the idea of part-timers holding championships. Because look what happened. You just had your first Raw brand pay-per-view of the year. And the Universal title wasn't even on the line because your champion is sitting at home enjoying time out of the ring because 
that's his contract. He only works specific dates. I hate that. So Brock Lesnar will be defending the belt at Extreme Rules. I believe that is the next pay-per-view, not Great Balls of Fire. Um, and Brock Lesnar is going to defend the belt at Extreme Rules, and it should be against Braun Strowman, and Braun Strowman should win that belt. Is it going to happen? Highly doubt it, because I don't see Brock Lesnar dropping this belt anytime soon. And I'm not sure if Vince McMahon is going to be willing to have Braun Strowman be the one to go over uh, to go over Brock Lesnar, even though re- realistically, if there's anybody on the main roster that is believable enough of the throwing Brock Lesnar and taking his belt and giving Brock Lesnar an absolute battle, it's Braun Strowman. Just look at the freaking guy. He's taller than Brock Lesnar. I won't necessarily say he's stronger than Brock Lesnar because Brock's a strong freaking dude, but he's just as fast as Brock Lesnar. He's a tremendous athlete, and the guy is making an impact every single week. He is showcasing that he has humongous potential. He looked very solid in the match with Roman Reigns, and he should build off of that win over Roman and face Brock Lesnar for the championship. But again, there's also other rumors that Braun could be facing Roman Reigns one last time in an Extreme Rules match at Extreme Rules. And I'll say it again. Braun has to go over in that match. If Roman Reigns loses, it's not going to hurt the guy because he's always going to be in the same position. All right, Roman has done so much over the past three years that it doesn't matter what happens to him. Roman is always going to be around in the same picture. Where Braun Strowman, on the other hand, is a different story. You need to continue to build this guy up as a legitimate powerhouse. They've done a tremendous job at it so far. Keep it going. And the best way to cap it all off for Braun is for him to go right after Brock Lesnar's championship and beat him for the belt. Again, will I think it will happen? Highly doubt it because I don't think Braun Strowman is going to be the guy to beat Brock Lesnar, even though realistically he should be the guy. It would not surprise me. If a guy like Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, or even Roman Reigns is the one to beat Brock Lesnar because they're bigger names that can't, that I won't say can beat Brock Lesnar, but they're just bigger names in the main event scene. But again, you know, the main event match is okay, but great job by WWE. They made a smart decision. If they had Roman Reigns go over in that match, forget about it. It would have been awful to see a 50% Roman Reigns beat Braun Strowman. It would have killed Braun Strowman. It would have made no sense. Smart move by WWE, but this feud's not over with. We'll see what happens in the next coming weeks. But again, Braun has to go over Roman Reigns. you, You keep pushing this guy. You keep building this guy every single week. Let this guy go over Roman Reigns and let this guy face Brock Lesnar because everybody wants to see it. People want to see Brock and Braun. I want to see Brock and Braun because I do believe Braun Strowman is the right guy to get in Brock's face and give him a battle. Because, again, we've said it on this show multiple times. When was the last time Brock Lesnar had a competitive match with a full-timer? I The last name I can think of is CM Punk. Every other full-timer that Brock's faced... Over the past, what, four years, and that's how long CM Punk, I believe, has been gone, he has destroyed them all. doesn't matter who it is. doesn't matter if it's Seth Rollins. It doesn't matter if it's Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, John Cena. It doesn't matter. He has destroyed all of them. With Braun Strowman, it's not believable to see Brock destroy Braun because Braun is just as big, just as strong, and just as fast. He's the perfect matchup for Brock Lesnar. But again... Solid match to, to cap off the uh, the payback card, and great job by WWE to put to put Braun Strowman over Roman Reigns.
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, uh, we said this had to happen, and it did. Thank God it happened because I had a little bit of doubt. I mean, I was confident, but I had that little, uh, you know, bit of doubt at the same time. I mean, how could you not? Every single time Roman Reigns goes into a big-time matchup where he should lose, uh, you know, it's similar to when John Cena used to go into these types of matches. You know, you always have that doubt that they're going to end up putting that guy over instead of the guy who should go over. But this, you know, this time it was different. Vince McMahon pulled the trigger on Braun Strowman. Thank God, uh, you know, won cleanly, which was great to see. Um, it was a hard-hitting bout. You know, again, not, you know, these two going at it, it's not a bad match, but I'm not all that interested in it. You know, to be honest, uh, you know, a, a couple of times during the match, it, it kind of like was weird I and mean, it didn't even feel like a main event of a pay-per-view you know it just felt like a regular match but when braun won uh, the post-match beat down uh the way he won and then you know after the pay-per-view went off the air they actually had it on the network i mean if you if you kept watching the pay-per-view uh you know obviously it automatically went to that on the network they showed a backstage where roman reigns is back there and spits up blood on the uh, wall and then you know they showed the ambulance and then braun runs over runs through the uh the door right into boxes so it continued backstage which was very, very cool as well. Uh, and the use of blood was very interesting to me as well because obviously you're not allowed to use blood nowadays with this PG rating. And clearly, like you said, Brian, uh, Roman was you know chomping on those blood capsules. So, uh, I mean, it's great to see that because I think this feud definitely needs that. Um, when you have two big men like this, you have a guy like Braun Strowman who literally decimates people uh, and like he did to Roman Reigns, you need the use of blood. It definitely helps out. So the image of Roman Reigns spitting up blood on the wall and just being all bloodied and battered, that was awesome. I mean, it really was, but... You know, a lot of people are going to be really pissed about this because I feel like this feud is far from over. I feel like, you know, you you know, from here on out, it should be Braun going for Brock Lesnar. This win should have catapulted him to a universal title shot. But since Brock Lesnar is not defending that belt until July, Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman are going to have another match at Extreme Rules. And I have a feeling it is going to be an ambulance match. That's what I thought this match was going to be. But it just makes sense to hold that off until Extreme Rules to give it an, a stipulation. Uh, and I have a feeling Roman Reigns is going to go over there, which is going to catapult Roman Reigns to the universal title shot to Brock Lesnar. I'm not so sold on Braun Strowman and Brock, even though they did tease it the night after WrestleMania, and that's what it should be, but I have a feeling we're going to be complaining in about a month when Roman Reigns goes over Braun Strowman and catapults himself to the Universal Championship match with Lesnar at that Great Balls of Fire event. So I fear that's what's going to happen in the end, but as for payback, uh, it was the right decision to have Braun Strowman win, continue his domination, and, uh, you know, obviously we didn't see Roman Reigns uh, on Raw. I don't think we did. Um, and you know what? We'll see what happens from here on out. I just hope we're not disappointed in the end. Yeah, and, of course, that's what WWE does. They want to disappoint you. So we'll see what happens between those two guys. But it was a solid main event. As for the House of Horrors match, uh, if you saw my uh, payback ramble on the Instagram page at Royal Ramble Wrestling, I said I was going to save my opinion for today's show. Here's what I think about it. I, I don't know what to think about it, basically. I, I mean, I, I was, uh, to be honest, I was laughing the entire time. Now, was it good? Here's what I'll say about that. I thought the the first part of the House of Horrors, when they're wrestling in the house and they fight each other, it was okay. It wasn't great. It was solid. But then when the match transitioned over to the arena, you know, Bray goes into the uh, the limo. The limo driver's driving him to the arena. Bray's in the middle of the ring, thought he won the match. Randy, of course, comes back when the lights go on. And these two guys are battling it out. And, of course, we all know what happens next. Here come 
the Bollywood Boys to interfere. Then Jinder Mahal comes out, hits Randy over the head with the belt twice. And then Bray wins the match with uh, Sister Abigail. That's when I was like, I mean, that was just poor to me. Now I understand why they did it. Of course, again, you're, you're building up Mahal as a legitimate threat to Randy Orton and his championship. You know, they're building their match at Backlash, but... Mahal has no business involved in this storyline. I, I wish it would have I wish it would have ended cleanly. Uh, Bray winning the match because of a Mahal interference just does not look good to me. I thought Bray should have won that match cleanly. He deserved to win cleanly. It's good to see he won the match, by the way, because again, you know, we don't see Bray Wyatt win matches on pay-per-views often, but he did win the match, and now he's moving ahead to a new feud on Raw. But I, I just thought it was, I mean. Was it goofy like the final deletion? Because look, it, it was like the final deletion, all right? It was very similar. The, the the house in the house part, of course, you have the eerie music in the background, the, the crazy stuff they were doing. Whether it's uh, Bray throwing a, a freaking uh, the, the the pushing the refrigerator on top of Randy, the eerie crazy music. I mean, it was odd to watch, but I I just wasn't a big fan of it. I don't really have the words to describe it because. I don't know how to describe it because in the very end, what did it achieve? It, it didn't really achieve nothing. I mean, yes, it achieved that it finally ended this feud between Bray and Randy and it achieved Bray finally getting the big win over Randy Orton. But again, you know, the build up to this match was just very poor. And you can just tell that WWE really had no idea what to expect in this match. They just said, all right, we're going to put him in a house and let's see what they do. They had no plan whatsoever. At least when the Hardys did the final deletion, they planned it all out with all these stunts. It was stupid, but it was planned. I don't think WWE had no clue what to expect in this match. It was just a brawl in a house. That was it. There wasn't really any wacky stuff, which I was kind of happy about because I didn't want to see any goofy stuff like what the Hardys did when Jeff Hardy did a swanton on Matt off of a freaking tree or Matt using the freaking... Um, the fireworks to shoot at Jeff Hardy. That was just goofy and wacky. I'm happy a little bit that WWE didn't really do that. But, I mean, you know, make make this intriguing. I mean, it was – and look at the people live at the, at the arena. They were chanting boring. So the majority of the fan base didn't even like this match. So – and even guys like Jared King Lawler have mentioned that they didn't like the match either. So it was poorly planned. And it just, it just didn't achieve anything. The only thing it achieved was that Bray finally got a win over Randy. And yes, Mahal got involved, but what does that do? You know, what does that do for Bray? It doesn't make Bray look strong. He got the win, but Bray should have won that match on his own without any help. Again, I understand why they did it, because you want to build up this Mahal or in match. But Bray should have won that match cleanly. And it should have been better planned. You know, there's really no other words to say it because I don't know how to describe the match. It was very similar to the final deletion. It felt like the final deletion. Just less goofy and less wacky stuff going on. But did it achieve anything? I don't think so because the, the planning of this match was bad. The buildup of this match was bad because both guys were on different shows. And they're both focusing on different people. Bray's focusing on Finn. Randy's focusing on Jinder Mahal. You can't tell a good story when both guys are on different shows. So in the very end, I had no reaction. That's my reaction for you guys for for this House of Horrors match. I didn't know what to think of it. It was I again I was laughing most of the time because I thought it was stupid. But there were some good parts, but there were some stupid parts. In the very end, though, was it a success? I don't think so.
Yeah, you know, it's tough because I feel like, you know, they hype these things up too much. And that's what gets everybody's excitement going is that they hype this thing up and everybody thinks it's going to be this big, spectacular thing. And then when it's not, everybody's disappointed. And I think that is the biggest problem. I think some people are being way too hard on this match. Uh, you know, again, there were some things that were bad about it. But as for the fighting in the house, the production, uh, you know, how it was produced, how the video was shot... I thought it was good. I mean, again, we don't see these kind of matches in WWE. Sometimes you need to go in a different direction than just having a regular match in the ring. I know it's wrestling. We watch, you know, because we want to see matches in the ring. But it's cool to see something different like this, like a brawl in a house. You know, we don't really see that too much nowadays. We used to see that a lot back in the day when we used to see parking lot brawls and all these different things. But nowadays, they're a little bit soft when it comes to those kind of things, and we don't see that. So I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, I thought the house was perfect. It was a spooky-looking house. Um, the lights, the eerie music. You know, when Randy Orton pulls up and, and all the lights are flashing on the house, and the house is turning different colors and stuff, I thought that was pretty cool as well. Uh, you know, he gets in there, and basically it's just Bray's funhouse. Uh, Bray keeps attacking him from behind or whatever, and then he keeps running to the next room, and Orton has to find him again. I thought it was pretty interesting. I mean, I was I was on the edge of my seat for, for that part. Then when, you know, Bray obviously got into the limo and drove to the arena, again, then they went on to Seth Rollins, Samoa Joe, and I liked that a lot because it, it made sense. I mean, I thought they were literally going to make it seem like Bray Wyatt arrived in the arena, like, right away, just like that, like like the place was, like, two minutes away. I'm glad they went on with another match and then came back towards it because it just made it seem a little bit more real. What I didn't like about it, though, is, like, you know, again, maybe I'm overthinking it too much, but they were in San Jose, California. It was not that dark outside in San Jose, California. So clearly they pre-taped this. And obviously, Brian, like you said, me and you said this when we made our predictions that it was going to be pre-taped. But they could have made it someplace where it was light out still. I mean, they could have done it in the daytime. Again, that takes away a little bit from, like, the House of Horrors. But then again, you know, don't play in the pay-per-view in San Jose then because that's in California. It's still light out when it's dark here, okay, the three hours behind. So that irked me a little bit as well when they got into the ring like you said brian the whole thing just fell apart and i think that's what left a sour taste in people's mouths is because when they got back there it was nothing that special basically you just used some chairs and uh even jim hall gets involved uh, with the Bollywood boys, and then Bray beats Randy, not clean, with the help of Jinder Mahal. Like you said, you understand why they do it, because they're building up Mahal and Orton for backlash. Uh, and again, you know what, I understand why Bray didn't get the clean win, is because Randy Orton's the WWE champion. You're not going to see him lose cleanly uh, to Bray Wyatt, or anybody of that matter. The champion never really loses cleanly. So again, I understand, I'm just glad Bray Wyatt got the win, because... I really thought Randy was going to get the win. I didn't think we'd see Jinder Mahal since it is a raw pay-per-view. I didn't think we'd see him there at all, but happy Bray Wyatt got the win. He deserved to get the win. I mean, it's his match for God's sake, so if he didn't win, I'd be a little scared. But you know what? I don't think we'll see this match again. I think this was a one-off type thing. Uh, but again, I'm not really going to complain too much about when they fought in the house and the production of that. I will agree, though, when they got into the ring, it, it got bad, really, really bad. But some of the reaction that I've seen from some people, I mean, really, just I mean, come on. you got to be happy in a way that we saw something different because, again, like I said before, you don't normally see things like this happen in the WWE nowadays. So, again, I thought the, the whole entire thing from the house and everything, the, the production was great. But like I said, once they got into the ring, it was a little lame.
As for the rest of the show, as we'll uh, quickly recap the rest, uh, of course, the Hardy Boys defended their tag team belts against uh, Cesaro and Sheamus. Very good tag team match. Uh, both teams have the good chemistry together. Hardy Boys winning the match with his own shocker. Neither was the heel turned by uh, Cesaro and Sheamus at the very end of the match. I mean, you, you expected it. You know, after, week after week, the Hardy Boys are picking up wins over Cesaro and Sheamus. You can just tell that there was frustrations on the face and in the minds of those two guys. They lost again. They shook hands with the Hardy Boys, raised their hands, left the ring out of nowhere. Then a couple of seconds later, they come back in the ring. They attack the Hardy Boys. That was good to see. Even though, yes, I'm still not on board of this Cesaro, Sheamus tag team. I've never been a fan of them. But again, in reality, we know they're not going to be splitting anytime soon. So again, if you want to do something big with Cesaro and Sheamus, turning them heel, maybe create some intrigue to see what they do. Even though I just think Cesaro is just too over as a face to be looked at as a heel. I mean, Sheamus can really nail the heel role really well. He's always been a heel. Uh, but Cesaro, for so long, has really developed as a great baby face. I, it's just tough for me to see him turn bad because he just he has the connection with the fans. Heck, he had his own freaking section. So... That was interesting to see as their feud is going to continue. And, uh, of course, we've heard rumors now that after that beatdown, uh, we could be seeing the unleashing of the Broken Hardys. As we all know now, the WWE has, I think they've won the uh, the core thing with uh, TNA. They've come to an agreement that the WWE could use the, uh, the Broken Hardy gimmick. And pretty soon, you can just tell, you know, with Matt's tweets... And the way he's been talking as of late in the microphone, that that character is coming back very, very soon. So they can definitely play a storyline where Cesaro and Sheamus just unleashed the Broken Hardys. That would be pretty cool to see. But uh, it does keep the feud going. But it was a very good tag team match. The Cruiserweight title match was just freaking awesome. I mean, I absolutely loved it. Uh, probably the best Cruiserweight match I've seen so far throughout 205 Live. The, the Neville Aries chemistry is just outstanding. Neville, of course, playing the great heel. Uh, Austin Aries, the guy's a great heel himself, but he's also a pretty damn good babyface. The people love this guy. Those two put on an absolute clinic. I was actually surprised that we didn't see Perkins get involved. I was convinced that Perkins was going to win this match. And disqualify, you know, base and, and, and like help uh, Neville get the victory. But instead, they played the disqualification angle where Neville cheated. He grabbed the ref's shirt. The ref disqualified him. We're going to see the feud move on. Um, a little bit surprised about that. But let's be honest. I mean, Neville and Aries are the best things going on right now on 205 Live. There's really nothing else going on that is meaningful. Other than, of course, Drew Gulak doing this no-fly zone storyline, which is pretty interesting. But as of right now... It's Neville and Aries and everybody else. You know, there's nobody else on the roster that is separating himself from the pack and getting involved in the title scene. It's been Neville and Aries, and they've been strictly focusing on that story. And the storyline's been very good. And Neville's, uh, Neville is now being threatened by Aries. Aries is a legitimate threat for the championship. And now they're playing this whole TJP storyline with TJP's now aligning himself with Neville. He's turned heel. Of course, you saw this past Monday what Perkins did to uh, Aries in their matchup. So, very good match. I like the storyline. We'll see how long it will last. We'll see if they'll have one more match at Extreme Rules. And then the Seth Rollins-Samoa Joe match was also very good. Some people shit on the match. I don't see why they did. A lot of people thought Joe carried the match, and maybe you could see somewhat Joe carry the match, but Seth Rollins was also really good. These two guys have the chemistry. They've had their battles before in Ring of Honor. They know what they're going to do to each other. Now, was the finish weak? A little bit. I wasn't really that big of a fan of the roll-up victory for Seth Rollins, but it does continue the feud. 
It, uh, you know, Seth Rollins got the win over Joe. He got lucky, so it does continue their feud. But I saw a lot of people shit on the match, and I just don't see it. I thought Rollins looked fine. People said, oh, Rollins looked awful. Samoa Joe made him look weak. Joe dominated the match. Seth Rollins, his character sucks. I, number one, his character sucks. The reason why his character sucks is because WWE is booking him as a bad face. You know, Seth Rollins can play the face role. He really can. Seth Rollins has the charisma. He can play the face role. He's a better heel, of course, but as a face, he's really good. And it's not his fault. Just the way WWE has booked this guy and, of course, the unfortunate injuries with this guy that he's faced. So I just don't see the problem with that match. Though It was very, very solid. And, you know, it's the beginning of what's going to be a pretty long feud between Joe and Seth Rollins. What's it going to lead into? Maybe the return of Triple H? We'll see. But I didn't I, I didn't think the match was bad. I thought it was very, very good. Again, when you look back at this payback pay-per-view, if you are a fan strictly of the in-ring action, it was a very good pay-per-view because every single match, if not all, delivered. But if you are a fan, if you are a person that, like myself, follows these booking decisions and makes it a big deal... Then it was an okay show. You can think about it all you want. I thought it was an okay show, but there were others that thought it was a great show. There were others that thought it was a terrible show. It was good. It was solid. It wasn't great. It was an okay show, and a big reason why it was okay because the the in-ring matches were very good, but what made it okay was the questionable booking decisions, and that's what I will remember for when I look back at this payback pay-per-view. Yeah, no, I, I mean, uh, like you said, Brian, a lot of people thought it was average, uh, you know, it was okay, but I really loved it. I thought the pay-per-view was great, probably one of the best Raw pay-per-views I think we have seen since the brand split, my opinion, of course, but I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, this is one of the pay-per-views that I kind of stayed off of Twitter and everything for as well. I kind of just watched, and I think I enjoyed it a little bit more by staying offline. I think a little, you know, that rattles me a little bit when I watch a show and I go online and see everybody, like, you know, what their opinions were and everything uh you know then it, i get distracted and you know i can't really concentrate as much but i literally tried staying off as much as i could just focus on what was going on and like you said if you're a fan of in-ring action this was the show for you because everything was very very solid like you just mentioned the hardy boys cesaro and uh sheamus you know, good match, good solid match. I like the way those two teams work against each other. It's always great to see Matt and Jeff Hardy in action. Uh, but the the after, you know, the post match, of course, after the Hardys retained, which we knew would happen, uh, that was what really, uh, you know, meant something. Which was Sheamus and Cesaro turning heel, which is good for them, I guess, because like you said, Brian, I'm not really a huge fan of those two guys team up teaming up, you know, together either. But Let's be honest. What's Sheamus going to do on his own? Probably nothing. What's Cesaro going to do on his own? Probably nothing. So might as well throw them together as a tag team and have them involved in the tag team division for the tag team title. So at least it's something for those guys. They much needed heel turn. We'll see where it goes from there. Uh, Neville and Aries again had a very solid match, but I hate, I hate the disqualification, uh, you know, angle. Again, you know, if it happened on a Raw or a SmackDown, that's fine. But when you have a pay-per-view, now I know, you know, they don't get many people to buy the actual pay-per-view like they did back in the day for like 50 bucks. Again, everybody has a network, so everybody basically watches the pay-per-views nowadays so they can do something like this. But I just feel like 
you know, you're cheating the fans, especially the fans who are there in the arena that pay money to attend the pay-per-view. You know, the, the disqualification angle where, you know, Austin Aries wins, but Neville retains the belt. It's stupid. Have Neville just win cleanly. I understand that, you know, they want to continue this feud. But like you said, Brian, have TJP get involved, screw over Aries in some way, which doesn't disqualify him, just distracts him, throws him off his game, and then Neville gets him out of nowhere, cheap shot, boom, one, two, three. That would have been better. I didn't like the way they did that, but again, it's a continuous feud, and I'm not going to complain about this continued uh, feud because I really do like it between these two guys. Uh, so, I mean, again, this this pay-per-view, I mean, it's, it's, oh, yeah, Seth and Joe, too. I forgot about that. Very, very solid. I liked the ending, too, because it didn't really make Samoa Joe look weak. The way Seth Rollins won, the way he rolled him up. Uh, surprised he got the win, but this feud is far from over, so can't complain about that either. I think this was one of the most solid uh, wrestling matches on this show. One of the most enjoyable ones as well. So, like you said, Brian, overall... I mean, I, I, I liked it. I did. I liked this pay-per-view a lot. In my opinion, the best raw pay-per-view. But again, if you're looking into it with the, the booking and the decision-making, uh, it was an okay show at best. All right, then we move over to Monday Night Raw to see the uh, the aftermath of the payback pay-per-view as we will you know, get set for the Extreme Rules pay-per-view. Uh, no Roman or Braun. They just showed the highlight video package of what happened at payback as both these guys now are playing the injury angle where Roman's got, of course, the bad ribs. And Braun's got a, and I quote, torn rotator cuff. Highly doubt that's true. We all know that's not true. It's just an injury angle. But uh, Kurt Angle said that their feud is now over with. And we could be seeing a match very soon between these two guys one more time before they go their separate ways. But nothing really else happened big on Raw except for, of course, the main event triple threat match, which we've got to talk about. But uh, before we get into that, some of the stuff that happened on the show, of course, the... The Cesaro Sheamus heel turn. They're on the microphone saying that they, they're they're bad guys now. That you know the fans never respected these guys. The typical when when someone turns heel, what they usually say: "You guys betrayed us. You didn't support us. We worked so hard for you guys. You didn't care. Hardy Boys took our spotlight. It should have been our spotlight." The typical stuff. We'll continue their feud. The women's segment to kick off the show was very, very good. Bliss, of course, crowning herself as not the queen, but the goddess of the women's division. Love that. Resulted in a very good uh, six-woman tag team match. It was a good, good segment. We'll see where they go from here. Uh, of course, you had the uh, the Perkins-Austin uh, Aries match. Again, again, I wasn't all that thrilled to see these two guys wrestle again. They've been wrestling now for a bunch of times right now on the Raw roster and in 205 Live. But again, it was a good match. After the match was over, we saw what Perkins did to Nev to Austin Aries uh, to his uh, lower body. So we'll continue their feud along with, of course, Neville as the champion. But of course, the big thing that took place this past Monday on Raw was the triple threat match for the United States Championship uh, contendership. Now. Before we get into the match itself, I, I want to point out the segment that happened to lead up into this match. So, again, Seth Rollins comes out. You know, again, thanks to fans for being on his side, for supporting him, saying that it was a very tough match with Samoa Joe. Now that he's done with Samoa Joe, he's got one more goal in mind, and that was to, to, to go after Brock Lesnar and the Universal Championship. Finn Balor comes out, says, well, you know, I am the first ever Universal Champion, so if there's anybody that deserves to face Brock Lesnar for that belt, it should be me, because I never lost the belt, which, again, he's true, he's right about. And then, here comes Dean Ambrose. And he basically tells Seth and Finn, screw the Universal Championship, go after my belt. 
Now, I like that Dean Ambrose is putting his belt over Brock Lesnar because, again, you know, you want to spotlight the United States Championship because, let's be honest, it's the top belt on your show now with Brock Lesnar no longer there. But WWE first had Seth and Finn wind the fight for the Universal Championship, but then they say, no, you got to fight for the United States Championship. When in the beginning, Seth and Finn are like, no, we want the Universal Championship. I don't want your belt. But in the very end, they fight for the United States Championship. I didn't like that, you know, because again, you know, Seth and Finn again. Intercontinental Championship. Oh, excuse me, Intercontinental. I don't want to keep saying United States Championship. My bad. Sorry, people. (laughs) Uh, Very confused. Uh, Yes, Intercontinental Championship. So you you have Finn and Seth come out saying, oh, I want Brock Lesnar. No, I want Brock Lesnar. Here comes Dean Ambrose. No, go after my belt. Seth and Finn. Okay, we'll go for your belt. Really? You know, what happened to the one against Brock Lesnar? It really made no sense to me. I was laughing. I go, this is stupid. They went from wanting to fight for the main championship and in the very end are fighting for a mid-card championship. Now, for the match itself between Finn, Seth, and, and Miz, of course, Miz was the third participant. Outstanding match. You know, a lot of people saying right now it is the match of the year for WWE, not the match of the year. We all know who deserves that title in the wrestling world. But for the WWE... That is right now the best match of the year. I could definitely see it. I really can't think of any other match. You know, you have the Cena-Styles match at the Royal Rumble. You have, of course, the Triple Threat Tag Team match at TakeOver uh, Orlando between the Revival DIY and the Authors of Pain. But, man, the, the battle that Finn, Seth, and Miz had was outstanding. Miz winning the match made the most sense. Look, Finn Balor is going to be focusing on Bray Wyatt. We saw Bray get involved, cost Finn the match. Seth Rollins is focusing more on Samoa Joe. The Miz made the most sense to win the match. And am I all that interested in another Miz-Dean Ambrose feud? I'm not that really because we've seen these guys face each other before on SmackDown. But let's be honest. I'm hoping to God that the Miz wins this belt back. Because let's be honest. Dean Ambrose has not been a great Intercontinental Champion. Like you said before, Ryan, this guy hasn't defended the belt a lot since he won the belt. You know, he had that one defense over Baron Corbin, but that was pretty much it. Every single week, Dean's doing something that's comical. And he is a funny guy, you can admit it, but he really hasn't been a great champion. And everything The Miz says, he's right on. He was the one that made the Intercontinental title relevant again. He's not denying that. That's a fact. For so long, the IC Championship has been so irrelevant. So irrelevant. It doesn't deserve that. Because at one point, the Intercontinental Championship was looked at as big as the World Championship back in the 90s, the Intercontinental title was just as big, if not bigger, than the World Championship. And it deserves to be prestigious. And for so long, WWE just didn't put focus on it. But when The Miz took over the belt, he was a champion. He made it relevant because he always put the title and himself in front. He always said, I'm the greatest Intercontinental Champion. I'm making this belt relevant. And he absolutely did because The Miz was that good as a champion. The year he had last year was one of the best years you'll ever see a person have, basically. He was that good. So I'm hoping in the very end, Miz gets this belt back because, again, this IC title deserves to be relevant. It deserves to be prestigious. And I like Dean Ambrose, but he's just not doing the job simply because he's more about goofing off instead of being a serious champion where the Miz is a serious champion. He makes himself a serious champion. He takes himself seriously. He tells it how it is. So the main event match is very good. Bray and Finn, 
That rivalry is going to be very interesting. Uh, of course, Seth and Samoa Joe will continue their feud. Uh, but again, you know, from the first segment on, I, I just didn't, I didn't think it was that good that to have Seth and Finn come out, one to fight for the Universal Championship, but in the end they're fighting for the Intercontinental title. I thought that was stupid. But in the very end, the match was very good. It was a great way to end Raw, and the Miz winning the match was the smart move. And I'm looking forward to seeing. Brain Finn, that's going to be an awesome feud because both characters are intriguing. The chemistry could be very interesting. Samoa and Jones, Seth Rollins, that's that's a very good feud. It's going to be getting a lot better as we move forward. Miz and Dean, I'm not all that thrilled about it, but I'm hoping that Miz gets his belt back because this belt, talking about the IC title, deserves to be prestigious, and Dean Ambrose has not done the job, and we all know. Miz can do the job. He's done it before. He can absolutely do it again because the Miz is that good, so... Again, not the greatest of Raw's, but the big positive, though, is Raw ended very nicely with that match. It was, without question, one of the best matches so far in 2017 for the WWE. Yeah, I mean, uh, basically the only things to talk about on Raw was what I just mentioned uh, before, too, about Alexa Bliss, the opening segment, showcasing how good she is on the microphone with everybody else from the women's division surrounding her. <clears throat> she gets on that, uh, you know, I don't even know what to call it, but she's on top of everybody else. She's higher than everybody else, calls herself a goddess, and then ticks off Bailey too much to the point where Bailey flips the thing over and starts attacking, and then all hell breaks loose, turns into a tag match, whatever. But I just want to say Alexa Bliss is that damn good. I mean, she is unbelievable on the microphone. Everything that she says just seems so real, you know? I mean, she doesn't seem like she's a wrestler playing the role of a character. She actually seems like that is how she is. Like, you know, it just it feels different when she's out there on the microphone. She is that damn good, and that is what they see in her, I guess, because she is just so good. Again, I can't say enough about how good she is. She's unbelievable to watch, and I really, really enjoyed that opening segment with her and the rest of the women from the division. Uh, and then, yeah, like you just mentioned, that segment with, you know, with uh, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, Finn Balor, and The Miz, originally it was Seth and Finn talking about the Universal title. Dean coming out, you know, talking about, you know, how Brock's not going to be here for a while because he shows up when he wants to, and then he'll defend the belt when he wants. We all know it's not going to be for a while. And then he wants to make the Intercontinental Championship the biggest title on Raw, which at the moment it is because it's the only title on Raw. So it made sense for that whole segment to revolve around the Intercontinental belt. I know what you're saying, Brian, too. At first I thought about it, and I'm like, wait. They don't even want to fight for this belt. They're talking about the bigger belt, so why are they just settling? But, you know, of course, we all know it's the reason because Brock Lesnar's not going to be around. So the Intercontinental belt is the one on Raw that should be, you know, worth fighting for. So it turns into a triple threat between those three guys, and wow, like you said, Brian, I mean, could be easily the match of the year for WWE uh, in terms of WWE. But again, like you said, you got Cena Styles, you got the triple threat match at the TakeOver event in Orlando. So it's going to be really hard to top a match of the year uh, you know, to pick one for the WWE. But in terms of like TV matches where you know a Raw or a SmackDown, uh, that definitely has to be the best one that I've seen. Because I just can't remember a match on a Raw or a SmackDown that I went, wow, or I was on the edge of my seat for. Uh, but that was one of them because it had everything. I mean, of course, when you have Seth Rollins and Finn Balor in there, it's just awesome. I mean, those two guys are out of this world. The Miz, too, has been really, really impressive. I mean, he really has been very, very impressive. To see him go at it with Finn Balor was interesting. see him go at it with Seth Rollins was interesting. And this is why I like the move to Raw for The Miz is because he can – 
you know, it, it's some fresh talent for him to work with. I mean, he did everything on SmackDown, feuding with Dolph Ziggler, feuding with Ambrose for a little bit. I mean, feuding with AJ a little bit. He did everything there. This is nice to see him in a fresh new feud with other guys, see him interacting with other guys. It's just nice to see. He ended up winning the match, with a, which I think made sense because Seth Rollins, obviously, still in a feud with Samoa Joe. Now Finn Balor going to be feuding with Bray Wyatt, which is awesome and definitely intriguing. So, yeah, like you said, it was an unbelievable ending to Raw. Probably one of the best ones we've seen because, I mean, coming out of a match like that, uh, you know, it, it just left you saying, like, wow, like, I want to see more from these guys. Uh, and that doesn't happen too often. So very, very solid beginning to Raw and an even better ending to what, you know, was an average Raw uh, in the middle of that at best. And then we move ahead to SmackDown. Like I said before, they're gearing up for uh, the Backlash pay-per-view, which will happen, I believe, in two weeks from now. Um, first and foremost, of course, Kevin Owens back as the United States champion. He beat Chris Jericho in the main event. Again, a very solid match overall. Owens winning the match. No shocker because we all know Jericho is on his way out as he gets set to do the Fozzie tour. I am happy, though, how their way they're going to take Jericho out of action. They play the injury angle where Owens, after the match, takes out Jericho. It started with the DDT on the ramp. Injured neck, possibly. Owens comes back. A couple of, pa- of uh, pop-up power bombs, And then the incident outside when... Owens wraps a chair around Jericho's neck and throws him into the uh, the uh, ring post. Good way to keep Jericho out of action because, again, if you had nothing happen to Jericho and he's just out for what, six months, people are going to be like, what happened to Chris Jericho? So they needed to play that role. But, again, I just didn't think it was necessary you know, to have uh, Owens drop the belt when, in the very end, Chris Jericho was you know going to leave anyways. Like I, I know why they did it because they want Jericho on SmackDown, but... They're the WWE. They can do whatever they want. They can put Jericho on SmackDown any way they want. But I said it before as well. If you wanted Jericho so bad on SmackDown, then you should have had him a part of the roster shakeup. So if that did, if that did happen, Owens and Jericho would have had a much better storyline going into Payback. And we don't have to uh, go through this issue. But anyways, Owens still the champion. He gets the belt back. Jericho now officially out of action. Storyline-wise, he's out of action because of injury, but we all know why he's out, as he gets set to do the Fozzie Tour. Owens and Styles, that's going to be awesome. You know, these two guys had their encounter early in the show. They had a brawl on the stage. We all know how good this feud's going to be. These are two world-class talents. AJ Styles is the best that WWE has right now. Kevin Owens is one of the best. He plays the perfect heel, AJ Styles. We all know he could be over as a face. I mean, just look at the people chanting his name. Right then and there, when you hear people chanting your name, you are over. And AJ Styles will will play the face role very, very well in the storyline. So can't wait for that. That's going to be an awesome segment and an awesome feud. Um, you know, Jinder Mahal picking, a win, picking up a win over Sami Zayn. Again, I know why they're doing it. And I agree with them that, you know, you need to have Jinder Mahal on the right path. You need to build up all this momentum for Jinder Mahal in his match with Randy Orton. I wasn't thrilled, though, that they had him go over Sami Zayn. You know, again, because I'm a fan of Sami Zayn. He deserves a lot better than, you know, being second fiddle to Jinder Mahal. I, I think they should have picked a, another person to be a job at Jinder Mahal. It should not be Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn deserves better. But was I shocked it was Sami Zayn? No, because we've seen Sami Zayn do this multiple times where he, is jo- where he plays a job role to... A guy that is moving in a direction where he will be fighting in a big match at a pay-per-view. So it was a good match, but I just wasn't all that thrilled that they picked Sami Zayn to be the jobber to Jinder Mahal. Again, I, I agree with 
with the way you know they got to book Jinder Mahal because he's he's fighting for a championship. You need to book this guy very very strongly. He needs to win some matches before the big one with Randy Orton. I just wasn't all that happy though that they had Sami Zayn be the one to lose to Jinder and they didn't pick anybody else. You know, can I name somebody they could pick? I really can't. Maybe have him throw throw Sin Cara at him, but of course Sin Cara had to face Dolph Ziggler. Maybe throw somebody else at him, but I just wasn't all that thrilled it was Sami Zayn because I just think Sami Zayn deserves a better spot on the roster. But those are two big highlights right there. Chris Jericho out of action for good. Kevin Owens back as United States champion. And Jinder Mahal winning his match. Moving in the right direction. No Randy Orton though, which sucks. I, I mean, you should have had Randy Orton arrive some point to, to, to confront Jinder Mahal because look, freaking Jinder Mahal cost Randy Orton his match with Bray Wyatt. And then we don't see Randy Orton on SmackDown at all. You know, it makes no sense. You know, you want to build up this Jinder Mahal Randy Orton match, have Randy come out and seek vengeance on Mahal. And of course, the the, the Bollywood boys, they didn't do that. I thought that was kind of stupid. But overall, the, those were two interesting segments. And you know, again, I'm looking forward to seeing AJ and Owens. And we'll see where they go with this Mahal Orton storyline as they gear up for their world title match at Backlash. Yeah, I mean, to me, an average episode of SmackDown, nothing really too amazing took place besides Kevin Owens regaining his United States Championship, which we knew was going to happen. Jinder Mahal taking a photo shoot with the uh, title in the beginning was pretty funny. Um, again, you know, just adding some more intrigue to this uh, upcoming match with him and Orton. Again, they need to do everything they possibly can to get us invested in this feud because I don't think anybody's excited for this match. I'm certainly not. I mean, I don't really know what to expect too much either because Jinder Mahal, I guess he's a solid talent. I mean, to be honest, I really don't pay too much attention to his wrestling skills because I don't care about him. And he was a jobber up until this point. So again, they need to get me invested in him. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but... Things like him taking photo shoots with the stolen belt was very, very funny to me. Uh, Shane McMahon obviously coming in and you know putting an end to that as, as well. Uh, you know that segment with the uh, fashion police with uh, Brizongo, very, very. Usos is going to be very, very fun to watch. Um, you know the women's thing continues to evolve. I mean uh, the beatdown, you know Armella and Natalia and Tina, Charlotte on you know Becky Lynch again. It just like little things like that. It's just progressing this feud. I don't really know what it's going to be. I think at Backlash it's probably going to be Naomi, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte versus Tomb. Uh, I don't really know what the end game here is, uh, but who, who the hell knows at that point. which is pretty cool. I know a lot of people were ticked off when they thought that Jericho was going to hold on to the United States title for quite some time. 
So it's good to see that. But overall, nothing really hot on SmackDown this past week. Uh, yeah, I mean, you had some connection problems, Ryan. I hear all that you said, but it looks like you're uh, back uh, and ready to go. Yeah, sorry about the people. Some connection problems on my end. But uh, I heard some of what you said uh, in terms of the women's segment with, um, you know, the welcoming committee, committee excuse me, and uh, Charlotte and the Naomi stuff. I mean... Look, I'll, I, I mentioned on the Instagram page, I'm not a whole fan of this welcoming community stuff. Um, you know, I see why they're doing it. it. It keeps the rest of the women's division relevant because, again, you know, it's tough to um, to create storylines with the women when they're fighting for one thing. You know, they're fighting for one championship and not all women can have the same opportunity at the same time. But uh, they're building this faction now between Tamina Natalia and Carmella that, you know, they're the welcoming community. They're grouping together to teach Charlotte a lesson that, oh, you call yourself the queen? Well, not on here on SmackDown. And the reason why I'm not a fan of it is because I'm just not a fan of Natalia and Carmella. I'm just not. I mean, look, here's my problem with them. They're, they're both great-looking girls. Natalia is a good wrestler, but she is horrendous on the microphone i mean the more i hear her talk the more i just get annoyed because she is so annoying on the microphone she is so bad and carmella don't even get me started she's not a good wrestler and herself she's not grand the microphone and this whole thing with her and ellsworth just makes it worse you know tamina is the only one i like because she doesn't say much and she plays her role perfectly she is the muscle she is the badass and she keeps her words short and sweet and she goes out and kicks ass and i like her a lot if she can just stay healthy she could be a good solid talent on the division but again what's hurting this faction to me maybe i'm wrong it's just that natalia and carmella are just not getting it done for me they're just not you know again natty can really wrestle but her in-ring her microphone skills are god-awful and carmella i'm just was just never a believer in her i mean again she's She's a good-looking girl. She's young, but uh, her in-ring skills are not all that great, and her microphone skills are not that great either. They're trying to pair it with James Ellsworth to keep Ellsworth relevant. He still sucks. Doesn't matter what role you give this guy, he sucks. So this whole storyline, I see why they're doing it. They want to keep the rest of the division relevant, but at the same time, too, you know, turning Charlotte face, I'm not a fan of it either. I just think Charlotte is just that damn good as a heel now. I'm not saying she can she can't play the face role. She absolutely can. We saw her as a face in NXT. She was a very good face, but her heel work has been so damn good that I don't want to see it end anytime soon. And I mentioned it on last week's podcast. You know, Charlotte. You know, if she turns face. Who is going to be the biggest heel in the women's division? You're telling me Natty is? No, I don't. I'm not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of it either. If it's Carmella. You need a top heel because you already have two big baby faces in Becky Lynch and Naomi. Are we going to see a third one now in Charlotte, who is without question the best of the group on that division on SmackDown? You can't have three powerhouse baby faces. You need to have one powerhouse heel. And if they turn Charlotte face, they don't have that. I, I'm just not a believer in, in Natalia as a powerhouse heel. Carmella is not even close. Tamina can be, but she needs to make a name for herself because she just hasn't really gotten the opportunity because of injuries, but because WWE just didn't know what to do with her. They didn't know how to utilize her. So, again, this whole welcoming committee storyline, you know, I'm just not a fan of it because 
I'm not a fan of the group, and I'm not a fan of Charlotte turning face. I like Charlotte too good, too much as a as a as a heel that she should be sticking to that and you know doing some storylines um, with Naomi and Becky Lynch and rekindling their their rivalry. So the match was good. I'm not going to say the match was bad. It was a very solid match, but the whole storyline of the welcoming committee, I'm I'm just not a, a big supporter of that. Um, you know, again, the, the fashion police segment was actually kind of funny. I'm, I'm really happy that these two guys are getting the opportunity. Um, you know, a lot of people are not a fan of, of Tyler Breeze and Fandango, and I can definitely see why. Can you really take these two guys seriously? No, they're goofballs, but the chemistry is there. You know, these two guys just have that chemistry together. They're entertaining as hell, and they're both good wrestlers, and they deserve this opportunity. Uh, when they were a group and they were dreaded to SmackDown at the brand split, I was excited because I thought, hey, this is, they're going to get an opportunity now. It's taken them a while because you had American Alpha, you had the Usos, you have, of course, they started out with Slater and Rhino, and then Bray and Randy had their title reign. So it's taken uh, Breeze and Fandango quite a while to get it going, but they're finally getting the opportunity. They deserve it, so good for them. Uh, uh, in terms of Dolph Ziggler, you know, he squashed Sin Cara. No, Shinsuke Nakamura, again, sucks. You know, you want to see Nakamura on television. They're saving his first match for Backlash, which is kind of smart. You know, you want to build this guy, but you want to hype this guy up. I mean, they're, they're doing the job. It's, you know, SmackDown's hyping up Nakamura. They just have him on their freaking Backlash poster, and Nakamura has yet to have a main roster match. I don't think that's ever happened in the history of the company where uh, a superstar is on, the, is on the front of a pay-per-view poster, and he doesn't have one match under his belt on the main roster. So that's pretty interesting to see. WWE hype of Nakamura the way they are, but that's smart because you want fans interested. You want fans invested in Shinsuke Nakamura, and they will be when they once when they start seeing this guy in the ring and on SmackDown television on a weekly basis. Uh, and then the other stuff, Ty Dillinger going over uh, Aiden English. I mean, I, I like the new modified version of the tiebreaker, if that it is, or he calls it a different finisher, but... I like the new modified version. Aiden English, I mean, there's nothing else I can say. I just don't see this guy succeeding. This whole opera singing gimmick is just not going to work well. Uh, he's going to be a jobber at best, and I won't be surprised um, in a year or two that we're going to see this guy uh, released from the WWE because what can you do with Aiden English? I mean, he he and Simon Gotch had good chemistry together uh, as a tag team, but the the, the, the characters, the vaudeville villain gimmick, which is not going to work out. If they change their gimmicks, maybe they'll have a chance, but with Gotch now gone, English is now on his own. Do I see him succeeding? I just do not because the gimmick number one right now he has is horrible, and I'm not sure what you can do with Aiden English. I'm not sure what is out there for this guy. And if this opera sing is the best thing for him, then it's just not going to work out for me. So overall, mediocre SmackDown, but things are going to be looking interesting in the next coming weeks with the Owens-style storyline, with this whole women's storyline. Will Charlotte turn hate? Will Charlotte turn face? She's not officially face yet, but you can definitely see they're leaning towards it. Mahal and Randy Orton should have some sort of confrontation next week. They got to start building these two guys up face to face against each other, and we'll see when Shinsuke Nakamura is going to come back. Because I just thought it was it sucked to not see Nakamura on SmackDown this week. So overall, though, mediocre SmackDown. Yeah, I don't know how much you heard before before I cut out, but I mentioned all those things basically. I mean, you know, like you said, Nakamura not seeing him hurts a little bit, but I get that. You know, they're hyping it up. For his debut to be a backlash, so it makes sense. And then after that, obviously, I think he'll be on TV regularly. So, no, I'm not too upset about that. But it w- was weird seeing Dolph Ziggler and, and Sin Cara and then Dolph winning and then nothing really happening. I thought for sure Nakamura was going to come out. Didn't get anything like that. 
no Randy Orton either. I mean, no, no, nothing really that good happened. I mean, like you said, the welcoming committee, the women's thing. I mean, again, not really sold on it. Not sold on Natty. She's annoying. Carmella, not that good either. Don't care about Carmel's worth. Tamina, never really gave a shit about her either. Uh, Charlotte being a, a face. Again, it's going to hurt her. Like you said, Brian, it's going to hurt her like it's hurting Seth Rollins currently. Some some people are just made to be heels. They are just fit to be heels. And I think I mentioned this on the show last week. It is easier to be a heel than it is to be a face. You see so many more people that are successful because they are heels rather than faces. You think if Alexa Bliss was a face right now that she would be this hot right now at the moment? I don't think so. It's very, very difficult to be a face. That is why heels just thrive more, in my opinion. And Charlotte being a face, I get why they're doing it, because she has been a heel for so long, and there's only so much more you can do. But again, I wanted to see her and Becky Lynch feuding somewhere down the line. You, you can't really turn Becky heel. I mean, I, I think they should. I think that would be interesting. But she's too you know, good to be a, uh, a heel. I mean, she's too goody-goody two-shoes, you know, in my opinion. But, again, we'll see where they go with the women's division. Like I said, ever since losing Bliss, Mickey James, I just feel like the women's division on SmackDown took a big hit. Uh, I know they, they did add Charlotte, obviously. They got Naomi and Becky Lynch. But I'm just not intrigued with what's going on right now at the moment. So that's a, that's a dub. Uh, like you said, Aiden English, what, what more can you say about him? I feel bad for the guy, quite frankly, because Simon Gotch basically let him down because he couldn't uh, stay out of trouble backstage and it costed him his career, so got released. And now what could you do with Aiden English? Again, I feel bad. I mean, I guess they're just trying something else because... They don't want to just release him for no reason. I mean, that's unfair to release him because his tag team partner got released. And so maybe they're trying to keep him relevant in some fashion. But again, like you said, Brian, it ain't going to do nothing for me. It's not going to do nothing for you. Probably won't do anything for some most people either. Uh, so again, who knows what his future is. Again, a mediocre SmackDown. Nothing really to say besides Kevin Owens winning the United States Championship back from Chris Jericho. And then tonight on the WWE Network, we have, of course, NXT as they are gearing up for their next TakeOver event, which will happen the night before Backlash, and that is TakeOver Chicago. And there is some interesting stuff going on on uh, the show tonight. Of course, we have the Battle Royal, the Women's Battle Royal to determine the number one contender for the Women's Championship. If you follow the spoilers, you know what happens. But if you don't, if you don't know the spoilers, if you haven't followed it, here, it's an interesting battle royal. I'm going to spoil one thing for you guys. Uh, of course, tonight is the debut of Candice LeRae on NXT. I cannot wait to see it. Candice LeRae has been one of my favorites to watch now for a while. She, she to me, may be the best female wrestler in the world today. Others may disagree. There's Charlotte, there's Asuka, etc. But Candice LeRae, she has really been awesome anywhere she goes. She's been outstanding. She will be a part of the battle royal tonight. Also in the Battle Royal, you have uh, Victoria Gonzalez, Bianca Blair, Rachel Ellering, another pretty popular name on the independent scene. She is the daughter of Paul Ellering, who, of course, is with the Authors of Pain. Sonya Deville, Lacey Evans, Kimberly Frankelli, uh, Aaliyah, Liv Morgan, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, Ruby Riot, Nikki Cross, and Ember Moon. Pretty interesting list of names in this Battle Royal, but I am looking forward to seeing... Candice LeRae make her appearance. Uh, also, Hideo Itami is in action tonight for the first time in quite a while. On NXT television, he will be facing Kona Reeves. And that's all it right now that we know. We're not, we're not sure what else is going to happen tonight. Maybe we'll see more Bobby Roode 
We'll see where they go with this whole tag team storyline with uh, the Authors of Pain. We've heard rumors it's going to be them and DIY for the tag team belts in Chicago. Will the build-up begin tonight? Uh, what about Alistair Black? What about Cassius Ono? Uh, we'll see if they have anything in store for him tonight. Also, part two. Uh, Roderick Strong's story is happening tonight. If you missed part one, highly advise you guys to check it out on the WWE Network. Last week's episode of NXT. Part one of Roddy's story. It was an outstanding piece. I am looking forward to seeing part two tonight. So overall, with the Battle Royal, Hatami back in action. Roderick Strong's uh, part two storyline of Roderick Strong. And we'll see what else would happen. Should be another solid episode for NXT tonight. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like you said, Candice LeRae making her NXT debut. Probably not officially as a member of the roster. It's probably just a one-off for now. But I'm sure we'll see her in the future again, probably in the women's tournament. And then eventually, I think she's bound for NXT. I mean, she is one of the best women's wrestlers currently right now on the independent scene. So great to see her in action on NXT tonight. Definitely worth the watch just because of that alone. I don't even care what ha- else happens. Just because of that reason, I'm tuning in tonight and everybody else should as well. Like you said, Hideo with Tommy's back. Part two of the Roderick Strong uh, piece, which was very, very good last week, which got a lot of mainstream attention from everybody on Twitter. Uh, so great stuff there. I'm sure it's going to be another awesome episode because NXT continues to put on sh- great show after great show after great show. And hopefully now we start seeing a little bit more of the build towards TakeOver Chicago, which is going to be here basically before we know it, uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to another great episode tonight. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see what happens on NXT tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern time on the WWE Network. Let's now shift the focus out of the WWE and onto wrestling companies like Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. We'll start with Ring of Honor uh, and a certain superstar that is officially out of Ring of Honor and could be on his way to the WWE, and that is the one and only Adam Cole. As of Monday, May the 1st, Adam Cole's contract expired, and he is now a free agent. But Adam Cole is still committed to bookings for Ring of Honor. He will be a part of the War of the Worlds tour for Ring of Honor. His final match with Ring of Honor will be May the 12th at the War of the Worlds pay-per-view at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City, where myself and Ryan will be attending. He will be facing Hiroshi Tanahashi, who Adam Cole has made it public before. That if there's anybody in the wrestling world that he would love to face as a dream opponent, it's Hiroshi Tanahashi. Cole is getting that opportunity. And what a great way to end your Ring of Honor career than by having a match with one of your biggest idols in Hiroshi Tanahashi. That would be pretty cool to see. But uh, he does have to commit to those bookings. So May the 12th is his last day in Ring of Honor. And then he's also got to... uh, have his final match at PWG. He is one of the greats there performing PWG. He has one more match with them on May the 18th on Heads Like a Cole show where he'll be facing Sammy Callahan. So basically, after May 18th is done with, Adam Cole could be bound for the WWE. Now, that's my expectations. That's everyone's expectations that Adam Cole will be going to WWE, but there's been recent rumors and reports that other wrestling companies, specifically New Japan Pro Wrestling, that are going to be in the sweepstakes for Adam Cole and to convince him to come to their company and not go to WWE. Do I see New Japan Pro Wrestling succeeding? I do not. I, I just think Adam Cole has always visioned himself going to WWE once his run in Ring of Honor was over with. His run in Ring of Honor is coming to an end. There's no other place for this guy to go to that makes more sense for him than the WWE. 
Would he be great for New Japan Pro Wrestling? Absolutely. But I just think Adam Cole has always wanted to go to WWE. He's already made that clear. He wants to go to WWE. And he's already stated that if he signs with WWE, he wants to start in NXT. And that's my expectation. WWE is interested in this guy. How could you not be interested in this guy? Because, look, you can just tell that WWE is always scouting for the best talent. All right, Triple H is constantly scouting the world to bring in the best talent to his brand. All right? And they're going to need a new face of the brand pretty soon, all right? Bobby Roode cannot be the face for long. I, I, I think at some point Bobby Roode could be on the main roster. Now, again, guys like Cassius Ono, guys like Roderick Strong are capable enough of being the face of the brand. Even Drew McIntyre is capable of it. But I think the one guy that makes the most sense for NXT and Triple H to be the next big face of the brand, it's definitely Adam Cole. Adam Cole, for the past nine years, has made a huge name for himself on the independents, working for Ring of Honor, working for PWG, working for CCW when he started, also making a name for himself in New Japan. The guy is the only man in Ring of Honor history to be a three-time Ring of Honor world champion. He's, uh, of course, uh, a part of the Bullet Club faction, made a huge impact with those guys, but also had his own faction in the kingdom that made a lot of noise when he was leading them. Adam Cole had an outstanding running Ring of Honor. He was there for five years, I believe, if I'm not uh, if I'm not exact. But uh, he's been there for a while. And we've said it before on the show, what else can Adam Cole do? There's nothing really else that this guy can do, all right? He's done it all in Ring of Honor. The crazy part with Adam Cole is that this guy is 28 years old. He hasn't even hit his prime yet. So what better chance for WWE to take on to bring in Adam Cole but at his age? This is the best opportunity for WWE. Adam Cole is a young guy still. And WWE can build this guy as the future of the company. I do believe that WWE could be, if they're looking for the next face of that company, Adam Cole is right in that conversation because he fits what WWE is looking for in a superstar. Number one, he's got a great look. And we all know how Vince is when it comes to looks. You need to have a good marketable look. And Adam Cole does. Always had. Number two, Got to be a good wrestler. No shocker. Adam Cole is one of the best in-ring workers in the world. But number three, and to me this is the most important part, you got to connect with the fans. In some capacity, whether you're a good guy or a bad guy, you need to garner a reaction from the fans. Adam Cole knows how to do that in multiple ways. His microphone skills are outstanding. His storytelling is outstanding. The catchphrase, the Adam Cole baby catchphrase is outstanding. When you look at all the tools to be a WWE superstar, Adam Cole checks all the boxes. So if there's any guy outside of WWE that could be the next face of the company, number one is Adam Cole. Without question, it's Adam Cole. He's young enough, he hasn't even hit his prime yet, and he checks all the boxes and what it takes to be a WWE superstar. And going to NXT is the right place for this guy. They may be starting to think he should go to the main roster. Nah, there's some certain things you got to work on in NXT so that you can you can gel in, you can mix in, you can feel comfortable with WWE. Because yes, Adam Cole has a lot of TV exposure, but WWE is a lot different than Ring of Honor. There are certain things you got to do on WWE television that you don't have to do in Ring of Honor. So those are the type of stuff that Adam Cole's going to have to work on once he goes to NXT. He doesn't have to work on microphone skills. The guy has it locked down. 
He doesn't have to work on his wrestling. He's got to lock down. He doesn't have to try to win over fans. The fans know who this guy is. He's already over in the entire wrestling world. So, again, for Ring of Honor, this will be a humongous loss because you can make a case that Adam Cole has been the face of this company for the past four years. He really has been. The guy has really worked his ass off to make a name for himself in Ring of Honor, and he did a lot for the company. But, again... What else is there for him to do there? He's done it all. He's been a three-time Ring of Honor champion. He's He's been a tag team wrestler there in Ring of Honor. He's fought in everybody on that roster, uh, old and present. The guy's done it all in Ring of Honor. He needs a new challenge, and pretty soon he will be in WWE. Again, New Japan Pro Wrestling will do their best to try to convince him to come over to their company. I don't see it. TNA, nah, not happening. I'm sorry. TNA has no chance of landing Adam Cole. It's either going to be Adam Cole goes to WWE, or he does shock us and goes to New Japan Pro Wrestling. But let's be honest, I think Adam Cole knows what his decision is, and it's just going to be—it's going to be the waiting game. You know, they're going to contact each other, they're going to negotiate a contract. He will sign a developmental deal, and he will be NXT very, very soon. But Adam Cole, his days in Ring of Honor are coming to an end, and it looks like we're inching closer and closer to seeing one of the very best in the world make his way over to the WWE. Yeah, it's basically the end of an era here, and it's, you know, it's sad to see because, like you said, Brian, Adam Cole has been the face and one of the biggest stars in Ring of Honor history and will go down as one of the greatest to ever step foot in a Ring of Honor ring. I mean, he is, he already has an historic career there. I mean, nobody has won the Ring of Honor world title three times. I mean, he really made a statement with that win at the Tokyo Dome this past year, defeating Kyle O'Reilly for his third title reign that was pretty impressive and you know like you said at 27 28 years old this guy is i mean really he is all he's not even in his prime like you said brian this guy's just getting started here in the wrestling world uh, again like you mentioned on uh, pwg uh, all these things that adam cole has done over the course of the last five years it's all coming to an end you know his last ring of honor show i think is going to be that may 12th i mean that's going to be his last ring of honor pay-per-view i heard he might do a couple of uh, live events for ring of honor uh but i'm not so sure if that's confirmed or not but that would be nice to see him have his last match with hiroshi tanahashi at that uh, war of the worlds event i don't know if he'll give a speech or whatever but that would be quite a moment let me tell you uh and then you know his last pwg show is going to be uh very very sad as well he'll probably give a uh, speech at that show so all these things it's going to be sad to see adam cole leaving uh, you know, Ring of Honor, leaving the independent scene, leaving New Japan, like he did a couple appearances in New Japan. It's going to be tough seeing him leave the Young Bucks and, you know, the, mm-hmm. being the Elite videos and all that cool stuff. Uh, it is going to suck. But like you said, Brian, it's the end of an era, and you need a change every now and then. You need a new challenge because he has literally fought everybody that there is to fight in Ring of Honor and in independent wrestling. I mean, all his matches at PWG and all these other places. I mean, he literally has fought the best talents in the world. Now it's time to fight under the bright lights of the WWE and, you know, mix and match between all those guys you got over there. I mean, the names are endless. This is the best WWE roster that we've seen in years. The talent pool is so it's so deep at the moment. Adding Adam Cole to that would just be amazing. And like you said, all these other wrestling companies are interested in him. I mean, yeah, why wouldn't they be? He's the biggest free agent. He's the hottest free agent at the moment. Why wouldn't everybody, every company uh, you know, want to make an offer to him? But I would be shocked if he goes anywhere else but the WWE. I mean, New Japan is the only other place I could see him go. 
but I don't think he's going to go that route. And quite frankly, why would you? Think about it. Why would you? If you have a chance to go to WWE and, you know, make the money over there and be under the bright lights and just, I mean, again, at his age, it's a no-brainer. I mean, he already did enough work in New Japan. He's not going to be like a Kenny Omega who's going to be stationary living in Japan and, you know, working as a regular over there. He's not going to do that. I just don't see Adam Cole doing that. Uh, I think, you know, like you said, Brian, he made up his decision. I think he's known for a while that he wants to go to the WWE. That's why on the Being the Elite videos, if anybody keeps up with them, they're constantly teasing the fact that, you know, the Bucks are, are having problems with him and Kenny's having problems with him and he's going to be kicked out of the Bullet Club and be written off. I mean, that is why. is because I think he is 110% WWE bound. Like you said, he'll sign a developmental contract. Probably start in NXT, which he should start, because, you know, usually if you go to NXT and then go to the main roster, you're, you know, bound to be a little bit more successful than just skipping NXT altogether and going to the main roster. Again, got to let these people, you know, WWE Universe, uh, get familiarized with Adam Cole and what he's all about. But, I mean, man, I can't believe it's actually happening. Adam Cole, we will see him in the WWE, uh, you know, in the next coming months, I would assume, uh, because I just think right away he's going to sign, and whether he appears or not, uh, I think they're not going to hold off too long before they make his debut. Maybe at Takeover Brooklyn, who knows? But uh, like you said, you need a new challenge every now and then. You need something new. You need new change of scenery. It's a good thing. And for a guy like Adam Cole at the age of 27 years old, it's going to be amazing to see. The sky's the limit for this guy, and I'm, I'm really going to be excited to see him in the WWE. We all know he's going to WWE. The question then becomes, when is he going to come to the WWE? When is he going to appear on WWE television? Now, again, you know, I, I agree with you. NXT should be the place where he should go. I mean, they can always have the option of going to the main roster. But let's be honest, I think Adam Cole can use the exposure in NXT. Let him get himself familiar with how the WWE system works. Because like I said before, the system in WWE is a whole lot different than the system in independent wrestling, specifically Ring of Honor. And Adam Cole knows he needs to work on a few things if he wants to become a WWE superstar. And there's also the the idea of, you know, having him, you know, connect with the NXT fans, the WWE fans. Because again, there's a lot of fans in the WWE that do not watch outside wrestling. They only watch WWE. So... It would again. Would it be so cool to see Adam Cole on the main roster, possibly on SmackDown, going after guys like AJ Styles and Kevin Owens, or on Raw, uh, guys like Seth Rollins and, and Finn Balor? Yeah, it would be cool. But he should start in NXT. All right, that's where he belongs. He's not like AJ Styles, where he's already a made name that he's been around the business for almost 20, 20 years. Cole's been doing this for nine years. He needs the exposure down in NXT. Now, when would he debut? Now, there again, you know, NXT TakeOver Chicago is on April 20th, and Adam Cole will be officially done with Ring of Honor by then, as the World Awards Tour will be done, and PWG will be done by then. So there's always the opportunity for him to make an appearance in Chicago. There's always that chance. I'm hoping that, first and foremost, I'm hoping his debut happens live. I don't want to see his debut happen at a TV taping like they've done with, uh, you know, Cassius Ono. When he when he returned to NXT, that was during a TV taping. It was spoiled. Uh, Roger Strong, his debut happened at a TV taping. It was spoiled. Austin Aries was during a TV taping. I don't want to see the same thing happen with Adam Cole. His debut has to happen live, like Samoa Joe's. He was live. Um, you know, Bobby Roode's was live. Drew McIntyre's return was live. Now, in terms of Roode and McIntyre, their debuts were basically them shown in the crowd. That's not good enough for me for Adam Cole. He has to do something big. 
I'm not saying do what Samoa Joe did. You know, when Joe debuted, when he came out after the Sami Zayn Kevin Owens match, and then got in Owens' face, which was pretty freaking cool, by the way. One of my favorite moments in the history of NXT is when he debuted. I'm not saying do exactly that, but Adam Cole has to make a impact in his debut. I don't think having him sitting in the crowd like they showed Bobby Roode and Drew McIntyre, that's not good enough for Adam Cole. He has to do something. It has to be live, and he's got to do something memorable, all right? His debut has got to be memorable because he is such a big name. He is the hottest free agent out there. Like, you know, again, AJ Styles' debut was memorable. He appeared in the Royal Rumble. They got to do something memorable for Adam Cole. And I just don't think him in the crowd is good enough. Now, will they do that, him in the crowd? I wouldn't be shocked because we see a lot of debuts happen like that. But the one thing I'm hoping for is that they don't debut him at a TV taping because I don't want to see it spoiled. I want to see it live, firsthand, Adam Cole in NXT. Because, again, you know, these TV tapings are far behind. You have to wait a couple of weeks for it to finally see it happen. When Austin Aries made his debut and it was spoiled on the Internet, we didn't see his debut live on television in a month, basically. We had to wait a whole month to see the Austin Aries debut. When Cassius Ono returned, it took a couple of weeks until we saw Cassius Ono make his return. They can't do that with Adam Cole. He's too big of a star. He just has this. He's just too big of a name to have his debut spoiled on the internet during a TV taping. His debut has got to happen live, and maybe it will be at Takeover Chicago, or maybe they wait long for Takeover Brooklyn. I don't think they'll. I don't think they're gonna wait that long personally. I think they want to make his debut right away but it has to be live that's the one thing i will say that has to happen his debut has got to happen live now yeah i'm on the side of him debuting in some grand fashion i'm not on the side of him debuting just sitting in the crowd but would i be against it no i wouldn't be because it's freaking adam cole he's in an nxt building i don't care how he debuts again i would prefer him debuting in some different way but if he debuts in the crowd like they did with Rude and McIntyre, so be it. It's Adam freaking Cole. He's in WWE. That's all we know. But that's the one thing I will say that they got to do right if you're the WWE and Triple H. You got to debut Adam Cole live. Not during a TV taping. I don't want to see on the internet Adam Cole arrives at NXT during the TV tapings. I don't want to see that. Yes, I will be psyched. I will be stoked about it. But personally, if you want to make this debut memorable... You gotta have it happen live. It would be a much better debut than to have it spoiled on the internet. Because we all know, if this guy debuts at a TV taping, it's gonna get spoiled. Alright, hell, Kenneth LeRae's debut got spoiled. Adam Cole's debut is gonna get spoiled if it's at a TV taping. It has to happen live. And that's all I'm gonna say about that. But again, anyways, Adam Cole, officially done with Ring of Honor. He's gotta finish up his uh, commitments to the company. Finish his last show at PWG. And then when May the 18th is over, Adam Cole is open for business, and you have to believe the business he will go to is the WWE. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the next question. Like you said, I mean how he's going to debut, when he's going to debut. I agree with you. I mean we, we had this discussion off the air about Adam Cole's debut. I mean that's how excited we are, Brian. Is we're already uh, you know planning when his debut is going to be and thinking of different scenarios of how he's going to debut. And I agree with you. It has to be live. I mean, there's no other way around it. You can't debut him at a TV taping. It w- I mean, again, it would create so much buzz, and we would be stoked about it. But, it, and, you know, again, 
it's not memorable, all right? You, you're not going to remember it as much as if you were, you know, Adam Cole coming out and doing a run-in or, or somewhere on a takeover. Again, it needs to be live. And, you know, I fear that it is going to be on a, take, uh, on a TV taping because I believe that TakeOver Chicago is the only live show until TakeOver Brooklyn, which is in August. Now, that's a huge gap, okay? That's a huge gap between the two TakeOvers. And like you said, are they actually going to hold off that long on debuting Adam Cole and just have it, you know, if they sign him, they're not going to hold off two months before they debut. I mean, what the hell is he going to do? Sit back, relax, go to the performance center, work out. I mean, what the hell is he going to do? You can't hold off for that long. So it's either TakeOver Chicago or <laughs> or a TV taping, I think, in my opinion. And I don't know if we see him at TakeOver Chicago. I feel like it's way too soon to have him on there. Um, I mean, I could see it, but again, if, if that's going to happen, it's going to be in the crowd. Because I don't see him getting involved right away. I don't see, you know, he, he can appear in the crowd, and WWE doesn't necessarily have to have signed him already. I mean, he could just be there, and then they sign him after, similar to what they did with Bobby Roode. I think they had him there, and then they signed him a couple of days later officially, uh, but they knew they were signing him. They could do the same exact thing with Adam Cole, as they know they're going to sign this guy, but he's not officially signed yet because he still has to finish some independent stuff. Uh, I believe you know this event is May 20th, this TakeOver Chicago. I don't know when his last date on the indies is. Uh, you know, Again, I would have to look that up, but I just feel like it's too soon at TakeOver Chicago. I would really, really be shocked if he indeed does debut there. Uh, but of course, like I said, it's going to be in the crowd because I don't see him getting involved in a major story or doing a run-in so soon. And, and you can't rush this either. You have to take your time with this. But I don't see it being TakeOver Brooklyn, like you said. It's too, too long uh, a ways away. And TakeOver Chicago, I feel like it's too soon. So I do feel like it is going to be at a tape, taping. Uh, again, I'm not in favor of that either because this guy is a huge megastar. You need to make his debut memorable like you did with Samoa Joe. Uh, you know, guys like that. You know, like you mentioned, Austin Aries, Roderick Strong. All those guys, their, their debuts were spoiled, basically. I mean, you could do something similar to what they did with Kevin Owens where they show a video package and then have his debut at a TakeOver. But again, like I said, the problem is TakeOver Brooklyn is too far away from TakeOver Chicago. So I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to have to make a decision. But, I mean, I agree, Brian. It has to be memorable uh, no matter what you do. So uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and it is true right now. According to the Wrestling Observer, New Japan Pro Wrestling and WWE are in a bidding war to sign Adam Cole because now he's a free agent. But, again, I just think if you're Adam Cole, what's the best option for you? I personally think... It's WWE because again, if you're Adam Cole, you know, you know, do do you really want to do what Kenny Omega's done and live in in, in Japan and you, you don't even know what your role is going to be there? Because again, you know, New Japan's all about building their own stars. You know, Kenny Omega is fortunate that he's getting these opportunities because look, he's non-Japanese, and we all know the bright lights in New Japan go to the Japanese stars, guys like Okada, Naito, Ishii, Tanahashi, etc. So even if Adam Cole goes to New Japan Pro Wrestling, what's he going to do? It, it, for them to convince him to go to New Japan Pro Wrestling, they got to say, all right, Adam, we want you here, and we're going to have you involved in big storylines, and at some point we're going to give you the world championship. If they don't do that, then Adam Cole really should be like, no, nah, I'm not interested. You know, Give me the world championship. I'll probably sign with your company, but if that's not the case, then – then what's the point of me coming there? So again, it's a matter of when we're going to see this guy in WWE. He's going to go to them uh, when he's done with Ring of Honor and he's got nothing else left to do. He will be in WWE. The question then will become, when will he appear? And hopefully maybe a takeover Chicago, but maybe not that too soon. I'm also afraid it's going to be a TV taping. But again, if you're WWE, you got to think about this. His debut has got to be memorable. If it's 
basically spoiled at a TV taping, it's not going to be memorable. So, again, Adam Cole, free agent, done with Ring of Honor. Now he is up for grabs, and we'll, and let's see if he will sign with WWE, which he likely will, and when he does, when will he appear? We'll cap the show off with some news going on in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, over the past couple of days, they've held their Dr. Ku shows, uh, some great matches on the cards of both shows. Uh, I didn't get the chance to watch this morning's show. I did watch the first show that took place over the weekend. Uh, quickly going over the matches, uh, Ricochet versus Hiromu Takahashi for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, outstanding match. I mean, what else can you say? These are two of the best junior heavyweights in the world. Takahashi continues to become a star ever since he won the championship. He, he I'm not saying he's outshining Tetsuya Naito in the LIJ faction, but he's he's coming damn close, man. He's making a name for himself. Ricochet, again, he's one of the best in the world. Evil versus Hiroshi Tanahashi, very underrated match. Check that out. Evil, to me, may be the most underrated performer in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Tanahashi, we all know how great he is. And then the main event match between uh, Naito and Juice Robinson for the Intercontinental Championship. I said it on the Instagram page at Royal Ramble Wrestling that, you know, before the match with Naito, I wasn't the biggest fan of Juice Robinson. I thought he was an okay talent. I didn't think he was this great the way New Japan has booked him to be great. But he won me over. I mean, part of it definitely was Naito. Naito can carry matches. But I thought Juice Robinson handled his own in that match with Naito. And they both delivered a very good match. So that happened this weekend. As for this morning, uh, of course, Okada defended the uh, heavyweight championship against Badlock Fale. He won that match. Uh, Kenny Omega versus Tomohiro Ishii. Their rematch from the New Japan Cup I heard was outstanding. So I am looking forward to watching their match. I heard it was one of the best matches of... uh, of the year so far, and according to you, Ryan, it's the second best match of the year behind, of course, Omega and Okada from Wrestle Kingdom 11. Uh, War Machine retained their tag team titles. LIJ once again back as the never openweight six-man tag team champions. Uh, and that was pretty much it. So, uh, again, New Japan Pro Wrestling putting on more great shows as they are gearing up for the summer. And we got to talk about some other big news for them before, of course, Ryan will give his take. And then after that, we got to give our thoughts on the best of the Super Junior Tournament and the big rematch coming up. Okada, Omega, Brian, though, your thoughts on the Dantaku shows? Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely outstanding. Like you mentioned, the one on Saturday with Ricochet and Hiromu Takahashi. Uh, I mean, just fantastic match, like you said. I mean, no shocker here because Ricochet, one of the best in the world. We all know that. He can literally work with anybody and make it an amazing match. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi is doing outstanding stuff right now, too. Uh, Ever since going to New Japan, joining LIJ, winning this belt, he's just been on a roll. I mean, to start off that match, let's, let's first off... Literally, right as the bell rang, Ricochet does a big boot, a suicide dive, a missile drop kick, uh, one of those flip dive things he does over the top rope, and a 450, literally all in like 30 seconds, like under 30 seconds. I mean, it was unreal. Like, he is one of the best talents in the damn world, and he deserves to hold that junior heavyweight title belt. Uh, Unfortunately, now is not the time for him because Takahashi is doing so many great things with it right now. But over time, I'd like to see Ricochet get that belt because, man, he is just so fun to watch. It's unbelievable. Uh, Like you mentioned, Brian, Juice Robinson, very underrated talent. He won me over uh, a while ago with the way he was booked in New Japan. I think at the start of this year, he won me over. Uh, His match with Cody Rhodes at at Wrestle Kingdom was very solid. And he, I mean, if he didn't win you over yet, like you said, Brian, he he just did with that match with Naito. I mean, really great effort by him. Made a uh, you know, a lot of people believe in him, made me a believer in him, and I'd like to see him involved in some bigger feuds, too, as, uh, you know, we, coming months come. 
But, I mean, man, he really, really gave it all and put on a very, very solid performance with one of the best in New Japan, Naito. Of course, Naito holding on to that belt. It's really not a shocker. But uh, great to see Juice Robinson involved. Great effort with one of the best and showing that he could hang with the top stars over there. As for this show uh, this morning, Dante Ku, very, very good show. I mean, I... I didn't get to watch uh, the beginning, couple matches in the beginning, uh, but I did watch the final few matches. Kenny Omega and Tomohiro Ishii, like you said, Brian, I think it was the second best match of the year of 2017, in my opinion. Better than Okada Shibata, better than anything else uh, besides Kenny Omega and Okada, of course. But man, I mean, so many near falls, so many great action. Uh, I mean, Kenny Omega is doing unbelievable things. He is the best bout machine in the world. He doesn't call him to himself that for for no reason it's true i mean he literally kills it every single time it was your typical kenny omega big time matchup uh with ishii this morning just absolutely awesome to see uh and then i watched a little bit of okada and fale which was okay i mean people are saying it was fale's best match so far uh you know again i could see why because you know fale doesn't really have too many good matches but to me, I knew Okada was winning this match. I really wasn't so invested in it, so I didn't really pay too much attention in it. But Okada did retain the belt. Uh, War Machine retained their belts. Like you said, LIJ capturing the six-man tag team titles. Uh, you know, again, just an amazing event from New Japan. You know, again, they just continue to have great show after great show. Continue to set up great feuds, great matches for the future shows. New Japan, man, I'm telling you, I love it. They're, it's such a great company. And then during the show, they announced the participant of the upcoming Best of the Super Juniors Tournament, which I believe takes place next week or two weeks from now. But they did announce the uh, the participants in the tournament, both block A Block and B Block. So representing the A Block... We have Jushin Thunder Liger, which will be his final best of the Super Junior Tournament. He's been called the Super Junior King for so many years. Speaking of Kings, Ricochet, a former a former winner of this tournament, will be back. Dragon Lee, if you have not watched this guy before, check him out. He's making a name for himself throughout Mexico, but he's also had some run-ins with Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Of course, Will Ospreay, last year's winner, awesome year. Uh, this guy continues to, to, to just blossom in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Hiromu Takahashi, of course, the current champion. Takamichinoku and Taiche from Suzuki Gun. And the biggest and most shocking name that will be in this tournament. And when I woke up this morning and I saw this announcement, I was stoked. Marty freaking Skrull is in the best of the Super Junior Tournament. This will be Marty Skrull's first experience, I believe, in Japan. I don't think Marty's ever been to Japan. Of course, he's been everywhere else but Japan. What a great way to make your first appearance than by taking place than taking part in one of the best tournaments in the world. So that is block that's A block, excuse me. As for B block, we have Tiger Mask, which is of course Kota Ibushi. Uh, we have Rusuke Taguchi, Kashida, Volador Jr., Bushi, El Desperado, Yoshinobu, Kanemaru, and another big surprise, ACH is in the tournament. And of course, ACH no longer with Ring of Honor, so tremendous group of guys in this tournament when i saw the list of names in this tournament i'm psyched they they definitely picked the best names to be in this tournament you have former winners and you have possible new winners um who i think is going to win this tournament i have no freaking clue we'll give our thoughts on the tournament winners next week's show because i believe it starts next week so myself and ryan are going to pick our winners uh, for the tournament, but it's a toss-up. We don't know who's going to win. Ricochet, Osprey can definitely win it again, or we can see a new name win. Maybe Marty Skrull wins. Who the heck knows? Zack Sabre Jr. won his first match in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Maybe Marty Skrull wins the tournament, but Bushi, um, you know, ACH can win it. Tiger Mask can win it. It is an absolute toss-up, but once I saw the name Marty Skrull in this tournament, 
it got me psyched up. I, I, Marty Skrull's involvement in this tournament is going to be fun. A lot of people on Twitter, wrestlers, are pumped for this. Marty Skrull's pumped for this, and he should be. This guy is one of the absolute best talents in the world, and he deserves this opportunity to be in this tournament. So, best of the Super Junior tournament looks absolutely stacked, and I cannot wait for it when it happens some point next week. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it. I think it actually begins on May seventeenth. Uh, it's like two week or three week tournament, I believe. Uh, similar to the G one. I mean, like you said, Brian, the lineups are stacked. I mean, A block is stacked. B block is stacked. A couple of surprises. ACH coming to New Japan. That's pretty cool to see. Uh, you know, Marty Skrull, the biggest surprise I think of them all. I don't think anybody saw this coming. I mean, it's a huge shock. Uh, but again, like you said, I think they got the best in the world for this tournament, and it's 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 so stacked like i cannot wait for it uh it had created a lot of buzz this morning especially with the addition of marty Skrull. uh it looks great it really does and like you said brian as for the winner who the hell knows who's gonna win this thing i mean these tournaments in new japan are so damn unpredictable you never know i mean we thought we had the new japan cup winner picked out in kenny omega and they did a complete 360 with having Sh uh, shibata win so again there's no way of telling who's gonna win this uh, when we make predictions next week, I don't even know who the hell I'm going to pick. Thank God I have a week to think about this. But, man, it is so stacked that anybody can win this tournament. Of course, uh, Ricochet, uh, Will Ospreay, those are a couple past winners. Uh, if Takahashi wasn't the champion at the moment, I would pick him to win this because I think he's he deserves it. But, again, I don't know why the champion uh, actually competes in this tournament. Very weird to me, and I don't really know the reason why. I think I should look it up. Uh, there's got to be a reason why because, to me, it makes no sense because usually the winner of the Best of the Super Juniors gets that next title shot. Uh, that's basically what the prize is, similar to what the G1 is. I don't really know why the champion's involved, but either way, it is completely stacked from top to bottom, both blocks. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Absolutely. And, yeah, that's a, that's a good question to see why Takahashi's in the tournament. Now, I think that's the only given. I just I don't see Takahashi um, winning this tournament. I don't think they'll ever crown the champion, the best of the Super Juniors winner. I think they're going to give the winner to a guy that is starving for a tile shot, and I definitely think... You know, the winner of this tournament will definitely fight Takahashi for that championship. Will they repeat winners? Possibly. Again, Ricochet, Will Ospreay, those two guys can definitely win this tournament. Uh, but again, a new name. Possibly Bushi. Possibly uh, El Desperado. Possibly Marty Skrull can win this tournament. You just don't know. It's completely unpredictable. And again, on next week's show, uh, we will give our predictions on who we'll think will win the best of the Super Juniors. Let's cap the show off, of course. Also taking place this morning after the Okada match with Bad Luck Fale. He beat Fale, still the champion. Mr. Okada did something that I have been waiting for him to do for quite a while. Ever since their match ended at on January 4th this past year, I have been waiting for this interaction to happen. And yes, this morning, Okada called out the one and only Kenny Omega and he basically said, let's do this again. And now the date is set June 11th. Mark your calendars, people. June 11th. The rematch is officially happening. That's right. Kenny Omega versus Kazuchika Okada Part 2 for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. It is official. And, man, I couldn't be more ecstatic I've been talking about this now for a couple of months that when are we going to see this rematch? Because, again, their first match was so freaking good. It is the greatest match I've ever seen. Arguably the greatest match in the history of the business. It was do a rematch. And I said it before on the show again that the best place to do this is over in the summer at Dominion. 
And that's where we're heading right now. I think June 11th is a Dominion show. I got to check the date. I'm not sure if it's happening at some other show. It's going to be a big show, uh, yeah, this a- match. Yeah, so it's it's definitely Dominion. Um, no other place to put it at. Again, you know, Dominion is basically the SummerSlam for New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's the second biggest show of the year behind Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Um, so what better place to have this rematch than there? Um, again, Kenny Omega, the guy deserves it. The guy deserves the opportunity to, to get that belt. And he deserves to win it. I, I definitely think it's too early to predict because we are just over a month away for this match happening. But th- this has to be the time where Omega wins the belt. If Okada beats him again, then who the heck is going to beat Okada? Because let's be honest, Okada has beaten them all. You know, he's beaten Shibata. He's beaten Ishii. He's beaten Naito. He's beaten Goto. He just beat Bad Luck Fale. He's beaten them all. Who else is left to face this guy and beat him for the championship? Now, Naito can. We can see Naito get that rematch and get that belt back. But he's, but right now, he's the current Intercontinental Champion. And I won't believe that will happen until he drops the belt. And let's be honest, he's not dropping the belt anytime soon. And to who is Naito dropping the belt to? Tanahashi, possibly? I'm not so sure about that. But there is no better opponent to take the belt off of Okada than Kenny Omega. All right? Kenny Omega returned to New Japan for wrestling so that he can have a complete career. He's mentioned that. He wants to have a complete career in New Japan for wrestling. And he is damn close of having one. The guy has done it all in New Japan for wrestling. He has been Intercontinental Champion, Junior Heavyweight Champion. The guy took part in the first ever ladder match. In the history of the company, he's been a six-man tag team champion with the Young Bucks. He's a part of one of the greatest factions of all time in the Bullet Club. He won the G1 Climax Tournament. And yeah, he main evented Wrestle Kingdom 11, taking part in the greatest match in the history of the business with Okada. The moment he wins the Heavyweight Championship, then the man had a complete career. But he has to win the belt. Am I convinced he's going to win the belt? I'm not so sure because, again, Okada's been such a great champion that why would they want to take the belt off Okada? He's been so good. But, again, there's no other person on this planet in that company that deserves to be, oh, beat Okada for that belt than Kenny Omega. It makes sense. Give this guy a championship. He deserves a title run because we all know he's not going to be in New Japan forever. He's going to go to WWE at some point. Again, some people don't think that. I think that. Again, AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura proved to us last year when they signed that anyone can go. And I do believe at one point, Kenny Omega will go to WWE. And this could be his last shot of getting that championship. And he deserves it. But man, I'm excited. Now, another interesting question is, is this the biggest rematch in the history of wrestling? That's up for debate. You know, Austin and Rock, their second WrestleMania match, maybe the biggest rematch in the history of wrestling. There's some other huge rematches, but this one's one of the biggest. Because again, Okada and Omega at Wrestle Kingdom 11 had the greatest match in the history of the business. If you haven't checked it out, what the hell are you waiting for, basically? It's free on YouTube. They have not removed the match off YouTube. It's free. Check it out. It's an instant classic. Can they top what they did in their first match? I highly doubt it. If they do, my goodness, if they do it, then just basically Okada and Omega deserve everything if they top their first match. They deserve all the glory, all the praise in the world because I don't know how the hell you top that first match. But, man, it's exciting. I'm excited, Ryan, because I want to see this rematch. I want to see how they top the first one, if they can top the first one, if it's possible. But June 11th, people, mark that on your calendar. 
The rematch is happening. Okada versus Omega 2 for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, like you said, one of the most highly anticipated rematches in history, all right? I, I'm not saying the best, but one of the best uh, and the most highly anticipated because, again, this match was so good, created so much buzz. I mean, people who don't even watch New Japan watched this match at Wrestle Kingdom because it got so much hype and praise from so many people. The rematch is going to be even bigger. Uh, again, like you said, for them to top that Wrestle Kingdom match is going to take a lot. I don't think they're going to do it, as they shouldn't. I mean, that was such an instant classic. Leave that the way it was. Just try and do something special this time around, which, again, I, I think it's going to be an unbelievably awesome match. Uh, unfortunately, when rematches like this happen, people tend to compare it to their first matches. And, again, it might not live up to that. So it might be a disappointment in that aspect. But, again, it's still going to be freaking awesome. And like you said, Brian... So excited for it, and this has to be Omega's chance. I mean, this is his last shot. If he doesn't win here, what is Kenny Omega's future now? I think he signed on for one more year in New Japan, so uh, he signed in February, okay? So next February, I would assume that his contract is up again. I mean, I don't know if he signed any 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 longer than that, but I think it was one year. That was it. Uh, so what I would do is give Omega the belt, have him beat Okada, have him be the champion going into the G1 special show in California, have, you know, an American guy or a Canadian guy, whatever whatever the hell he is, just walk in there with the championship. I think it would, you, would, you know, get a lot of buzz from that. Have Okada then go on and win the G1 over the summer and have the third and final match at next year's Wrestle Kingdom, Wrestle Kingdom 12, the rematch again. And then you can have Okada beat Omega again because Omega will probably be on his way out at that point. That is what I would do. I have a tough time seeing that, though, because I don't think Omega's going to have that long of a reign. I mean, I would be shocked if they gave a foreigner like that the long run with the IWGP heavyweight title. Uh, but I sure hope so, man, because if they don't, it's kind of a buzzkill. Because if Kenny Omega doesn't win the IWGP heavyweight title now, what is he going to do for the rest of his run here in New Japan? He's not going to go on and win the G1 again. I highly doubt it. Again, he's not going to win two years in a row. I was surprised he even won last year. So what is he going to do if he does not win this time around? I think he has to win. Uh, there's no other way around it. Because like you said, Brian, Okada's beat everybody. If he, don't beat him, if he doesn't lose... Uh, you know, here to Omega, who the hell is going to beat him, and how much longer are we going to have to sit through an Okada title reign? I love Okada, he's great, but I mean, it's getting a little tiresome here. He's literally beaten every single person. You can almost predict that he's going to win the match before it even happens. It's getting a little ridiculous now. Give it to the guy who is hella, po hella popular in New Japan, and who's gotten so much buzz as of late. Give it to the guy, Kenny Omega. Please do it. Uh, but again, you know, we'll get into our predictions stuff. We're literally uh, over a month away, but it is highly anticipated. And like you said, Brian, I cannot freaking wait for this match. Now, I'm surprised, though, that the way this match came about, that it was Okada that called out Kenny Omega. I was very surprised about that. What I thought was going to happen after the Fale match, I thought Omega was going to come out and attack Okada and basically invoke his rematch clause. But it was the opposite. Okada actually got on the microphone and said, hey, Kenny get your ass out here we gotta talk rematch and i think that's why that's why i think omega could win this match because okada made the decision to have the rematch and it's gonna backfire with omega winning because again okada didn't need to call it omega he's a champion he doesn't have to call it anybody he's a champion new challenge will come in but the story they're going with of having okada call out omega I think it's going to backfire, and that's where I see Omega winning this match because it's Okada's fault because he put himself in this situation and then, like, Omega earned it. 
No, Okada called him out, and Omega said take it away from him. So again, we're just a little over a month away from this match happening. June, June 11th is the exact date. That is a Sunday here in the United States. So Sunday morning, basically, we got to stay up in the morning to see what the hell is going to happen between these two guys. I am so looking forward to the match. And again, I completely agree with you, Ryan. Omega's got to win this match. If he doesn't win this match, then what's the point? Uh, why is he still here, and what's he going to do? For the rest of his run in New Japan Pro Wrestling until the new year starts. Because I do believe he did sign for one year and that his contract expires yet again in the month of February. And you have to think that that will be Omega's uh, calling card and that he's going to be leaving the company to go possibly to WWE. So this is their last chance. If Omega doesn't win this match, again, what does Omega do next? And who the hell does Okada lose to? The only guy I could think of is Naito, but Naito right now is the Intercontinental Champion. The moment he drops the belt, then yes, I believe Naito could beat Okada, but that's not, he's not in that position right now. So, again, we'll see what happens, but we all know for sure Omega Okada 2 is happening, and it's happening very, very soon. That's all the time we got, people. Thank you for tuning in again, guys. If you happen to miss us live on itsyourradio.com, you can subscribe to our show on iTunes and Stitcher. The episode, this episode, should be up some point tonight. If not tonight, definitely tomorrow morning. I will do my job to upload it. Again, guys, if you want to follow us on the social media, follow us on Twitter at Royal Ramble IYR. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. And follow us on the Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling. Uh, again, guys, next week we'll be back Thursday, 4 p.m. It's your radio.com. We're going to, again, talk about Raw, SmackDown Live. NXT, maybe get some more news and reports about Adam Cole's destination. Also next week, Best of the Super Junior Tournament predictions. And next week, War of the Worlds. The pay-per-view happens next Friday, May the 12th. So we're going to give our predictions for that show. Myself and Ryan will be in attendance. Stack card, Cody Rhodes, Christopher Daniels, Jay Lethal for the Ring of Honor Championship. The Young Bucks against Naito and Bushi. Marty Skrull versus Matt Seidel. So many great matches on that show. We're going to give our predictions for that show and our best of the Super Junior Tournament predictions. So we'll see you guys next week. Have a great weekend. I'm Brian Sinek. He's Ryan Martorano. This has been the Royal Ramble Wrestling Podcast. We'll see you next Thursday here on itsyourradio.com.